Did you know? You can go to uh, duckfeed.tv forward slash store and get bonus episodes of shows. Uh, these are things that are like Patreon exclusive, a lot of ep- episodes of uh, Abject Suffering, a couple episodes of Watch Out for Fireballs as well, uh, things like that, things like uh, WAF Tracks, which is us talking about the opening sketches, uh, things like that. If you just have a, an appetite, you want more, um, that is a good place to get it. And if you don't want to just buy it when it comes out, you can also uh, patronize us at patreon.com forward slash duckfeedtv. Give us a little bit of money a month. You'll get these things as they come out. Um, the buy-in is not very much. And uh, you get a lot of extra stuff for that that's important to us um, that you feel good about it. So uh, why not give that a shot? Uh, if you like supporting this podcast that presumably you like, um, I hope so. If not, what are, you, what are you doing here? I'm telling you, the readings are true. There's something dangerous coming our way. Our readings are bouncing up and down like they like they just don't care. There will come up. Now, representatives of the Confederated Planet, settle down. I recognize the concerns of this um, <laughs> this egghead from the Institute, but this is not our first rodeo, is it? We have faced the f- <clears throat> we have faced the first wave, the s- second wave. Uh, we gave up our dependence on Endorium since the discovery of PH Unctropium sixty nine, <clears throat> and we we are safe. <clears throat> uh, excuse me. We are secure. The reports, they're, they're blatantly false. They're, uh, now, what I'm saying is we're safe as houses. We're the big uh, cat, and we're not the little mouses. We, the powers we command, our nobility is strong, our imperative is pure, and since we are not wrong. I mean, mistakes we've made a few, I admit it, but we had the courage to both hit it and quit it. A wise man says it's wrong to be deceived, but we were a fool for fuel, I do believe. On a lonely planet, around a lonely star, in a corner of the galaxy far far we mined down he found a three-legged skeleton buried with a slower dumber better friend and from these remains we found a new solution to energy hunger unhappiness pollution ph on tronium 69 i've never seen an element quite so fine i think we have an empire we can believe in from loxy to meccan to elowin to speeman thrin on the base minstrels move over i got the fresh rhymes to make you supernova all the sentient beings in the galaxy say hey <laughs> I said, all the sentient beings in the galaxy say... Oh, good God, it's too late. I only hope that the SS Wishka can get me to Nirvanulon 7 in time to pick up enough Grungetopes. Cole Ross. And you're listening to Watch Out for Fireballs. It is a retro games podcast. And this week we are doing another one of our famous split episodes. Unintentional this time. We're talking about Starflight and Toe Jam and Earl. 
the year of the split episodes. A lot of those, like, um, yeah, maybe, uh, you know, I don't know. Do people like those? You, you let yeah, us know. Yeah, let, let us know because, you know, it's they, they arise out of kind of, I think, our shared desire to cover, you know, more games that are smaller and won't bear the weight of a full episode. Yeah, yeah, um, it is, uh, you know, calcifying our approach for this show has had ups and downs. And, like, one of the things is when you run into a game that is worth talking about that resists our approach, we try to find a way to get it in. And then we end up with stuff that sometimes is like weird episodes, like, mm-hmm. you know, like the team fortress two episode, which like had a different structure yeah. than we usually have it. Um, so the, uh, trying to find, uh, a way to incorporate that stuff, uh, has come for this, but this one, this is purely by accident, <laughs> but let us know if it's too much. Like I right. like doing them because it's, you get to play more games, right? but, um, let us know. And the reason this happened, um, is because, uh, we started doing just Cody Evan Earl. Um, but, <laughs> Tokyo Mineral, there's very little to talk about. It's like randomized levels game. make yeah. offers of us all. It is, you know, there's there's just not that much there. Yeah. Um, so that would have been like a 50-minute episode uh, at a stretch. And we were trying to find something to pair it with. Um, the initial idea, the obvious thing would be to do Toji Mineral 2. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's not very much to talk about there either. Nope. We'll, like we'll, that, we'll get there at the end of the episode when we talk yeah, about yeah. it. But yeah, it's, uh, it is it is similarly uh, kind of like of its time. And there's only so much you can say about a mascot platformer from the early 90s. Yeah. Yeah. There's not there's not a lot to it. So um, we decided to to pair it with. And I thank you, Cole, for indulging me because uh, mm-hmm. I've lobbied for this <laughs> the show for a long time, which is the Genesis version of Starflight. Right. Um, and that works out not only because I wanted to do it and, you know, I, I like <laughs> that game, but it also works out because they have something, uh, a couple of things in common. Yeah. Um, primarily, uh, just kind of just from a biographical kind of standpoint, they both have the same lead designer, um, a guy named Greg Johnson. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Greg Johnson, who, uh, you know, made Starflight, made Toe Jam and Earl, went on to uh, kind of influence uh antecedents of that like he you know worked on antecedents of uh or descendants of uh starflight mm-hmm. as well and different different designers from that game did that as well um and they're also really really pc like games that were either adapted to or were developed for the genesis right um there's like a recent i can't remember which one it is and this is anecdotal and useless but there's a retro dots where they um somebody just recently were like yeah the super nintendo had more you know like that's where you went for this kind of complicated pc experience and i just that is <laughs> not my experience at all no you know like they had SimCity and Populous. like there are a couple of those things but mm-hmm. the genesis was full of this shit yeah it's really weird it's a it's a weird thing about the system that was like arcade sports action <laughs> you know and then also open world proto games yeah um, uh, we we get in trouble with this kind of generalization, but I think that it's a result of the fact that more Westerners were developing for Sega. Like Sega just had much more outreach and support in the in the in the Western side of the world, where PC gaming was more kind of entrenched. Is my is, is thing, my yeah. supposition? Yeah, that, that could that could certainly be the case. And and we covered you know one of the earliest episodes for the show was the uh, Genesis version of Shadowrun. Which is like a you know a proto open world game. We're doing an open universe game in this one, mm-hmm. you know that again is just kind of a uh, predecessor to not only just the obvious thing, which would be like Star Control two, but even more modern games, right, right, um, that are about exploring the galaxy. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then the other one, which is uh, kind of one of the first real simplifications of the rogue strategy like mm-hmm. it's literally influenced by rogue so it is as roguelike as it can be <laughs> um uh you know just went on to kind of become a basis and kind of become a you know an indicator that the roguelike um kind of idea and ethos would spread to different stuff much much later yeah yeah and it's uh which is already or is still kind of a rarish thing on consoles mm-hmm. 
like it comes up and especially on handheld, but there aren't tons of roguelike experiences right. on consoles and there certainly weren't in this vintage. No. So, um, you know, it's, it's definitely neat for the, for those reasons. Um, yeah, so let's get started with, uh, Starflight. Um, Starflight's a space simulation exploration game. It was developed by Binary Systems and published by Electronic Arts for the PC in 1986 and brought to the Genesis in 1991. Yes, and we are talking about the Genesis version, although they are very similar to the point of being uh, functionally identical with the exception of a couple of slightly modified systems. But in this game, you're playing as a captain of this starship who is kind of contracted by this corporation called Interstell to uh, to go find this resource called Endurium, uh, locate colonizable planets, and then eventually save the galaxy. Yeah, it literally says uh, to go boldly where no one has gone before. Right. Um, there's there's a little bit of hint because this game uh, has some some jokes in it. <laughs> um, the uh, real quick before we get off it, um, I played a bit of the PC version. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's available on GOG. Yeah, yeah, and Jinx. and the, the sequel, which is also very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, if you if this is your jam, like there aren't tons of games like this. If this game is your jam, try uh, Traders of the Cloud Nebula because it's cool. Yeah. Um, but the uh, the biggest difference is how you move your ship in combat. Right. Uh, where it is this kind of tactical uh, thing as opposed to this, which is more of an arcade action right. experience yeah. uh, in combat, like a, a um, vaguely tank control, asteroid control kind of way. Top yeah. Down. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, so the, the entire game uh, is either menus or uh, top down, except for when you're at the space station where you have this dorky astronaut <laughs> who walks very, <laughs> this, very, this very dorky r- Rambo sprite looking motherfucker. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with a with um, a, actually a pretty impressive uh, um, uh, perspective effect on, on the lines of the floor as you go along, indicating oh, yeah. that he's walking around a a very uh, tight circle, circular um, uh, kind of corridor. That's just a weird little weird little detail, uh, but yeah, that is uh, that is super goofy. That's kind of your your main base and your menu there. Yeah, yeah. And uh, other than just the text based menus, you spend most of the game in when you're you're manipulating things. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, it's a really big game. Yeah. Um, so there are 800 planets in this game, uh, and then you can explore them across multiple different star systems um, that are here. Uh, in the original version of it, uh, was created on on it's like on two disc, and they used fractals. Mm-hmm. to somehow populate this. I don't know the actual <laughs> technology behind it, but one of the big uh, info bite that comes out when you're researching this game is it took 15 man years to create. Mm-hmm. Uh, developed by a team of five people, so five people in three years. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love that that, you know, the, the math is so simple and they keep bringing it up. Like 15 <laughs> yeah. man years. Well, it also depends. Okay, so does a man year, is that just in, in a straight up, no, straight up number of hours? So what does that need to reference? Oh, sure. the, I need to reference the rent song that it was 15 total, uh, 15 total years worth of hours to uh, to do this as opposed to just, you know, like five 15, people yeah, working. Hours yeah. of people working 40 hours a week. Right, right. Yeah. Who, yeah. Who, I don't actually know. Um, <laughs> but it, you, you believe it because this is, uh, you know, the, the Genesis version is obviously feels a little less uh, audacious and mm-hmm. uh, ambitious since it came out five years li- you know, later. But in 1986, this was really impressive shit. Yeah, yeah. And there's oh. there, there's all kinds of information you can find. There are lots of essays and stuff, like the uh, video game historian um, did a huge article about this. That was actually brought to my attention back when we started doing Star Control um, as kind of an antecedent of that game. Um, but uh, you can look into the technical details of like the different languages, like parts of this were written in assembly um, in order to just kind of like fold as much space as they could into a very limited footprint. So this yeah. is a really technically interesting game. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's really um, the reason why it has all these retrospectives other than just being technically interesting uh, is because it's really, really well loved. Um, the influence of this game, I think, is really, really hard to avoid. Right. Um, we'll kind of get into that more in, in wrap up. But like. 
this was and and I also can speak to it because it's very personally influential to me as far as not you know. And then I became an astronaut because <laughs> like, I'm only doing podcasting because I flunked out of space camp like six fucking times, <laughs> which is weird because you pay to go there. It's yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's like saying you flunked out of Disneyland. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I flunked out of the McDonald's drive-through. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I uh, is very influential in me and just kind of. Uh, finding big open lonely games about exploration mm -hmm. you know and and being a really early example of that for me yep. um a bunch of sci-fi writers really really dug it yep. uh when it came out they were just like you know this is this is my shit um and uh in the manual for this there's an in-universe short story written by this guy named robert silverberg who's this hugo award-winning sci-fi author mm -hmm. um that adds a lot of flavor to it yeah yeah um and really that whole manual is something is something to behold uh gary if i can make a request can you put the a link to that in the uh in the show yeah. notes? because it's uh oh, man just it, it is such a pc ass manual like i can uh, it kind of looks like the only thing that kept them from like spiral binding it was the fact that it had to fit into a genesis case absolutely yeah, yeah. it's it's huge and it's great yeah and it's it's also um shores up some of the uh you know, because this this is doesn't have a lot of direction, which is not something that's common for console games. So reading the manual um, is pretty necessary. Mm -hmm. The man the game also came with a map, um, which right. having that map, like if you're playing this with a browser tab open that has a map and and uh, a list of coordinates that were in the manual, you're doing it right. Right, you're not cheating. Yeah, um, because that stuff was stuff you're supposed to have, even yeah. in the uh, the PC version. Yeah, this is a game that is meant to be played with a pad of paper nearby Absolutely. to write yeah, down there's... coordinates like because it is a mystery game you know yeah. at, 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 at its heart you are going around gathering clues and like that map is super useful because like some of the clues relate to constellations and i have enough trouble finding constellations um out of like dots i kind of think that's a i think i think that's a myth that people can do oh that. yeah they're, they're, they're garbage <laughs> yeah. like the, the the um that's one of my favorite things where it's like uh and this happens to cartoons all the time where they're like you know, the, the, the crab riding a horse nebula and then they just show just a bunch of dots and then you just connect it with like a lot of it's, things where it makes that work. It's like, hey, dummy, you didn't see these lines. Well, let's draw them in here for you. The um, uh, man, the um, the Orion's belt mm -hmm. thing when I was young, because when you're young, that's like your, your baby's first beginner mm -hmm. kind of constellation. And I would look up and I'd be like, it's Orion's belt. And and it's just three stars. Mm -hmm. Like that happens all the time. <laughs> <laughs> just three things in a row does not a shape make yeah ancient idiots mm -hmm. um, and if anybody is listening say, saying hey these fucking dummies are discounting an entire wing of science um right in and let us know how you see it well it's not like i'm saying a straw like studying stars is stupid i'm saying <laughs> right. that they don't like it's it just looks like you know yeah those, it's, those, it's called, it's called are, watching yeah those drawings are real stretches mm -hmm. I, I maintain that Aristotle's <laughs> a piece of shit. Um, <laughs> He's so smart. Why'd he die? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Why'd you drink hemlock, hemlock? You piece of yeah. shit. Yeah. 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 It has hemlock right in the name. Yeah. It's. <laughs> Why don't you it know was, what I know? It was in a. It was in a cup marked poison. You know. Yeah. And you said, "Hey, I'm Socrates. My name is Socrates when I'm doing this." Yeah, I'm, I'm Aristotle. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean, Socrates would come much, much later? Fuck. Yeah. No, none of this makes sense. <laughs> Where's Pythagoras? Make it happen. <laughs> I'm angry and I don't know why. Get, get Archimedes out of his fucking tub. Yeah. <laughs> Eureka, bitch. Um, nah, I don't like saying that word, but... Oh, I mean, anywho, just as, as punctuation for that particular yeah, joke I, about ignorance, I think it's fine. I've been, I've been sneaking it back into my vocabulary very rarely. It's, it's, it's like it's got impact again. You can be like Jesse Pinkman where it has no power. Yeah. 
and then you take you give it a long rest, mm-hmm. and then now like maybe once a week I'll throw that in there. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, so no, let it's... me mark that on my calendar real quick, and it'll be seven <laughs> days before. I... <laughs> yeah, just, uh, um, hey, 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 Dingus, remind me to say bitch in seven days. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Would you like me to Google ditch in seven ways? <laughs> no, <laughs> don't need to dig a ditch in seven ways. <laughs> you just get a shovel. Stupid Siri. Um, <laughs> so angry. Uh, Why is everything so mean? It's like a mid- <laughs> I mean, we're basically like we're two steps away from being Michael Douglas and falling down. Siri, <laughs> yeah, you forgot your fucking briefcase. Um, there's a huge uh, backstory to, uh, to Starflight. Yeah. Um, and some of it you do get from the manual and stuff. But part of the joy of those clues, that mystery is finding this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, piecing this together in a way that dare say uh, kind of recalls dark souls mm. where you're you're getting these different accounts from different aliens and trying to put together what actually happened right um and what's actually happening mm-hmm. um but tell us a little bit about the uh, the pot cole yeah. as we know it going well, in it's the year 4620 and humankind kind of along with this uh smattering of other races have kind of spent this last millennia um kind of hidden beneath the surface of this radiation blasted planet uh called arth okay and they just kind of recently emerged um a couple years ago, and discovered this fuel fuel element called endurium. You discovered. What's that? Kind of important. Like yes, rediscovered. Re, yeah, rediscovered. There we go. Yeah. Um, and that kind of has accelerated their ascension back into the galactic community. Yes. Like the weird thing about this game is it takes place during like a second interstellar thing. Like we we all went, and that's that's an important clue. Like that's the you know which I, I love about this is that <laughs> uh, you know there was this old empire. All the aliens got together. They were a federation. Uh, something happened, you know, and it was bad and we got invaded. There was this thing called the first wave mm-hmm. and everybody kind of got fucked from these invaders who, uh, moved, uh, it's, it's either coreward or outward. I can't remember. There's weird kind of directions for east, west, north, and south mm, right. of the galaxy, but it essentially went west mm-hmm. and, uh, kind of blasted us into the stone age. We reemerged eventually. Right. So we, this is like our second try. <laughs> um, yeah. and anybody who is familiar with mass effect will say, huh, that sounds kind of familiar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, the um, so the 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 farthest reaching aspect of uh, of humanity, this thing that has its fingers and everything, is Interstell, um, which is this company uh, and kind of I get the sense that it's kind of like a UN kind of thing for Earthlings. Yeah, like, yeah. And there's a, a political aspect because they are trying to save the world. Mm-hmm. Um, they created this space station platform and they send captains out to explore the galaxy, uh, and that's where we start. That's what we're doing. Yep, we are a mercenary for them, and they don't have enough money to really. Um, outfit our ship with anything approaching what we need to actually do what they're asking us to do. Yeah, yeah, I I kind of, so I'm, everybody knows I'm incredibly pro-corporation. I think that capitalism is going to save the world. Oh, sure. Um, That's made our way out of just about everything. So it's it's very, it's very refreshing to see um, a sci-fi video game where every corporate, where the the massive corporation at the center isn't Weyland-Yutani. Oh yeah, yeah. Interstell, Interstell is fine. Yeah. Like the worst thing they can be accused of is not uh, outfitting you very well. Mm-hmm. But when you start this, you're not starting to save the world. Mm-hmm. Like that's an interesting thing about this game is that yeah. it's just like go out, find aliens, do shit, and then the actual plot and danger kind of comes in a little bit later. Right. Like you get it, you get a message, you know, but it's not part of the initial initial thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and Interstell is good. Yeah. Um, you know, mo- most of the uh, like they're the villains in this are are. You know, the villain stuff is complicated. It's got the same kind of feeling of, of classic Star Trek a lot. Yeah. Um, so we'll get there. Um, <laughs> so you start out, you're, you're circling the space station Earth, which is the this circular ring thing, which is your home base. You have that mission, as we mentioned. Uh, but as part of that, in order to do that exploration, you're going to have to raise money and make your ship. 
more viable. So you can explore more, so you can make more money, so you can explore more until you eventually <laughs> have this goal of getting kind of uh, a reasonable ship. Right. Um, yeah, it's this uh, kind of ever-expanding circle that you're yes. making um, in yeah. order to kind of like hit the ceiling on being properly equipped to make the kind of jaunts that you need to be. Uh, yes. that, that, that you need to make. And you kind of start out, um, you have uh, this kind of email account with uh, your mission briefing that kind of points you towards some resource-rich uh, planets within the solar system. And you can do pretty much everything that you need to if you're patient. You can get all the money that you need to upgrade your ship entirely just from, like, these two planets in your system. Yeah. Yeah, you can, you can just kind of, you can kind of grind away at the beginning. You can also make kind of wider loops and stuff trying to look for things, which is kind of, kind of the game. Mm -hmm. um, this is out of character for me, but I like the loop of this a lot. Mm -hmm. Like the economic, uh, like the grind part of this, mm -hmm. I find really satisfying. Yeah. Um, I don't know how much of that's nostalgia. Um, and we'll, we'll talk about it more in detail, but like this never bothers me and it feels mm -hmm. like it could be a waste of time. Uh, the whole thing, getting your ship up to spec takes like an hour or 90 minutes. Mm -hmm. You know, it's pretty breezy. Yeah. Um, and uh, it might just be watching numbers go up, but this works for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, we'll, we'll talk about when we get to the like the economic side of it. I wish it was yeah. just a little bit more complex, but I understanding that it came it's, out it's really 30 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's uh, that's something if, if you ever I mean, you'll never do it because uh, time. But <laughs> if you ever get a wild hair, the second game is really like it focuses on that. It yeah. doubles down on that. And it's really about trade routes, like coming up with, you know, what different cultures value. It's like mm -hmm. an ep economic version of, of this. Yeah. Almost entirely. It's pretty neat. Yeah. And just um, like that, like that would scratch my like free space itch. Yeah. It's got or the private order or whatever. Yeah. The, um, that, that message, that email account is kind of like a message board too. So mm -hmm. it's, you also get like people posting for each other, like <laughs> classifieds and stuff. Yeah. Which is pretty great. Um, so before you leave, uh, it won't let you actually leave the space station until you do a few things. Right. Um, one of the things you have to hire a crew. So you have uh, five stations for your ship, uh, science, navigator, engineer, communications, and medical. Right. Um, and these are responsible for different verbs that your ship has. Right, right. So science, like, helps you scan things um, mm -hmm. and uh, log planets that are colonizable. We'll talk more about that later. Um, navigators mm -hmm. help you, uh, you know, uh, kind of navigate the star map. Uh, like, the big thing is once you get their skill high enough, they can uh, locate these wormholes. Yes, and they can they can chart them like once you've gone through them because right. if you don't have a good enough navigator, you can go out, hit a wormhole without <laughs> seeing it, just teleport to a new place and not know where you're at at all. Right. Um, for a while, which is which is pretty tricky. Yeah. Um, engineer does repairs. Um, what else does the engineer do? That's the big thing not that a lot. I noticed. Yeah, like yeah. mostly repairs. Yeah, and engineer is like a little bit of a dump stat. Yeah. 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 I mean, I mean, eventually you'll get all these guys totally trained. Right. Um, yeah, you can actually technically hire one person to do multiple jobs. There's yeah. no reason to do this because hiring people is free. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, communications, um, they help you kind of like it's basically your your charisma skill almost like your comms officer is the person who uh, kind of like determines your success rate with different kind of uh, diplomatic stances that you take. I, I don't know if that's if that's actually the case. I oh, think really? that, oh. um, yeah, they just determine how much of the alien's language you can translate. OK. Yeah. So the. um the things that influence whether an alien will be favorable to you are more uh, kind of binary things. Okay. Like whether you've done certain actions, how good your weapons are compared to theirs, mm -hmm. uh, where you're located. Um, it just kind of toggles whether those are on or off. If you don't have good communications, though, you don't know what they're saying. And I don't spend very much time in this game, like talking to aliens with poor communications. Mm -hmm. um, but back when I played it originally, they actually do some pretty neat things where... Yeah, there's like a filter they apply where it garbles stuff. And it garbles things that are specifically 
make them kind of, um, you know, you're not sure uh, which way it's going. Mm -hmm. So they, they actually structure the alien messages where something can seem kind of hostile if you <laughs> leave out a few different words. Yeah. So all you're given is like, do you want to be friendly, hostile, or a bit, you know, beg, be obsequious uh, to this? Which this, you know, this game did nothing else. It made me the only 11 year old in the world who knew what obsequious meant. Um, so I was real fun at the playground, uh, you know, using that. Um, the, uh, but um, you can. Uh, so that's what the communication does. It's it's essentially a translator. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, and medical will heal your guys if your guys get hurt. Right, which yeah. didn't happen an awful lot to me, and I fought. I fought quite a bit, actually. Yeah, so. it really. I mean, it really depends on how often you fight and how. Because uh, when we get to the mining part, there's a risk reward element, and uh, mm -hmm. mineral rich planets oftentimes have a hostile life or and or bad weather, right. uh, which can hurt your guys as well. Yeah. Um, and uh, so all of these, these different roles, they're kind of suited to these different uh, kind of uh, races with different aptitudes, right? So um, you can kind of you, you can have this motley crew of um, drummers and guitarists. You can shout yeah. the devil. No, um, of, of kind of uh, like this affiliation of races um, that all have kind of their own, um, you know, learning efficiencies, their own kind of like max skills. And then like, you know, starting starting stats for uh, for like different aptitudes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of the that's the the trick is that you're looking at them. They're looking at their starting, starting stats, this learning rate that we talk about. Um, you put one kind of training point. Mm -hmm. It costs a flat amount to train somebody. Yeah, but like everybody 300. gets yeah. yeah, 300 uh, monetary units I'm used. Um, and that will advance their training in that stat a certain amount, depending on the race. Mm -hmm. um, you are making a couple other choices here. Uh, one, there are androids mm -hmm. uh, who cannot be trained, but have pretty they have like 150 and a few of the different mechanical stats. Yeah. Um, so they're good. You can do that to start out if you'd yeah. like. Like 150 is right at the threat, uh, like right at the, th the threshold for understanding a lot of language. Although I guess yeah. the um, the me mechanoids or androids don't don't have comms, maybe. Um, but like a navigator with 150 will like we'll do okay. Yeah, we'll do fine. Yeah, it's not. You you eventually will want to replace them. Right. Um, but the, uh, you know, if, if you want to not do stuff in your first system, if you want to actually explore outward a little bit, a, a crew of androids is not a bad idea or, you know, short up with androids. Yep. Um, you're also making a choice, uh, and I believe it tells you, I know it tells you this in the manual. It might tell you this in the message board. Mm -hmm. Um, the Eloan and the Thryn are at war. Right. Um, so we'll go into that more when we talk about alien races, but, um, having two of them on the ship, they will get along because mm -hmm. they're kind of naturalized. But, um, when you encounter them in the wild, uh, they will look poorly on you if you have one. So right. if you want to explore everything, you'll actually hire one of each mm -hmm. and rotate them out. <laughs> and have uh, everybody be mad at you. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that, uh, But you can, uh, at the very least, then you have the option open mm -hmm. depending on who you want to talk to. Um, right. Because they're both um, mechanically pretty similar. Yeah. Uh, if you look at the information they give you, they give you similar information. And they uh, are both good at the same things. Like they're both good at communications and right. you know, being a diplomat. Right. So once you get your crew, uh, they need to have a ship to actually oh, man. Go ahead. Real well, well, I guess this this goes well with that. I mean, I didn't really mention this, but one of the fun things about this game is you get to name everything. <laughs> yeah. uh, so you get to name your crew and you get to name your uh, your ship. What did you uh, name your ship and your crew? Uh, my ship was Waffle. Okay. Um, and my crew. Uh, so I had you know read the manual and I knew roughly which races were going to have the. Uh, um, the aptitudes that I needed, and because mm -hmm. I, have to, I have trouble remembering, I kind of named the, uh, the 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 characters after the station they would be uh, manning. So, like, you know, comms was a uh, Voxy, 
Um, the, right. uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, medical or, uh, sorry, navigation was Navo, uh, stuff like that. Like the, like the root word was whatever. So I, just so I could remember like, you know, for that five minutes where I had to assign them. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The way I, I have that same problem, but the way that I would, I get around it is by training them first, like mm. making them training them right away. And then I can tell who they are based on their stat. Mm. Um, and then stuff. So I, I did the um, the SS suffering, and then did all like Crick and Buffo and, <laughs> and and stuff like that. Nice, which was which was fun. Yeah. Um, you can't do suffering because of the character limit. So it was suffering. <laughs> the SS suffering. That feels more appropriate to me. Yeah. Really. Yeah. And I, I would I would love if I owned a ship. Like the only reason why I'd ever want to own any kind of ship is because the name it. Oh yeah. You know, I don't want to go out to sea. I don't want to really even go into space. I just want to own a ship. Mm-hmm. Um, the SS suffering is something like I'm pretty into. <laughs> uh but anyway so so you get to uh you get to name all that stuff and when you, you get to name your ship when you do go into the ship section um which you also have to do before you leave because at right. the very least to name it mm-hmm. uh you're gonna want to do more than that though yeah because you get just a, a bare ass bust a ship yeah it, you have engines class one and that's literally it um every ship has a as a train vehicle or a tv mm-hmm. um which you upgrade separately and that's what you're going to use to mine and explore planets right uh but you want to at the very least get some cargo for it um yep. and uh maybe well i mean most of your most of your upgrades at the start are going to be for your terrain vehicle um but there are kind of these five classifications or kind of things you can do for your ship um the cargo um engines armor weapons um and shields and kind of each of these has a weight like there's a like there's a little bit of a system here of like trading off capability for maneuverability yes yeah. uh especially armor is the thing that is the most big deal for that so right. the um so engines are your fuel efficiency Obviously, uh, cargo lets you hold things for increased weight. The main thing weight does is uh, decrease your acceleration rate. Right. So it's not your max speed that's determined by engines, but how fast you can get up to that max speed, mm-hmm. uh, which is obviously useful in dogfights. <laughs> um, armor, the advantage, armor is just static. It just wears down. You can't repair it. Right. Um, but uh, there are nebulas, and if you're a nebula, your shield doesn't work. Right. So uh, shields have no weight, but they're way more expensive, and you can't use them for you know one-fourth the map. Right. So that's kind of the trade-off there. Yep. And then your shields are just kind of conditional things. You put them up yes. or down, um, depending on uh, depending on where you're at. And if you have them up, it's considered to be a hostile gesture. So yes. consider that. Like shields, yeah. oddly, like if you invest money in that, that is a uh, that is a diplomatic concern. Um, and different yes. weapons have uh, they're effective at different uh, different ranges and stuff. When, like you, that. when we say it's a diplomatic concern, you do have the power to raise or lower them. Right. So it's not like if you buy shields that automatically is flipping off the universe. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't look at you as if you have shields and look down on you. It's just if somebody says something, they're like, "Hey, mm-hmm. what's up?" Then you raise your shields. That kind of communicates something, right? Um, which you can actually use. Like that's it's not just you know it's always bad. Like you can actually intimidate some races with that, mm-hmm. um, or one race specifically, which is is really great. <laughs> yep. Um, the the TV uh, upgrades are arguably more useful. Oh yeah. Uh, because at least in this first kind of half of the game or third of the game, you're gonna spend a lot of time uh, in your TV. Um, and these are mostly T- things TV that allow is you to terrain vehicle, not television. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this allow you to um, traverse different kinds of environments. So right. move on water. Uh, move on, uh, move through mountains, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you get a weapon for your your TV because you can shoot down uh, hostile aliens. Um, <laughs> and then the the best thing you can get, and this is really expensive, but is the mineral, the upgraded mineral scanner, right? Which uh, will reveal di- like uh, deeper caches of minerals or kind of like yes. stuff that would have been would have been hidden to you before, but actually is there. Yes, and you it, with that scanner, you'll know where to look, and you will never hurt for money. Like you'll be able to fill up your ship. Mm-hmm. on every planet trip essentially yeah so like it, it, you would do well to like get pontoons and then also just save up for this mineral scanner 
Yes. Um, there's also a market mm-hmm. here. Um, this is where you buy and sell uh, minerals that you mine or that you need for repairs. Um, this is also you can buy and sell artifacts. Um, typically, you don't really want to sell artifacts. There are a couple of exceptions. No, they're so useful. Yeah, you want to keep those. Um, you also want to buy them. There's um, When you first start out, there is one called the flat device. Yeah. Uh, which is the single best like investment you can make in the early game, mm-hmm. um, which makes your your TV uh, when you run out of fuel get teleported back to your ship. Yeah, which doubles your fuel efficiency on your TV mm-hmm. because you can go all the way out rather than going halfway out and, and yep. back. And it takes away one of the uh, failure conditions for the game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You cannot get stranded forever. Like just have your crew out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> like I said, uh, set up shop. Storm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, which happens to some people. We'll run in like we'll find some apocalypse logs where that mm-hmm. that happened. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and the market really like the 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 key things you're you're going to do here. You're going to sell what you find when you're out there mining for resources, and a lot of what you're going to buy is going to be endurium, which is this kind of magical uh, crystalline fuel. Yes, and that that's why there's space travel, right? Uh, is endurium? There's a time, like I mean, just the minuscule amount. Like I agree with you that the economics could be more complicated. Yeah. The only real wrinkle to this is that uh, the Thrin will buy plutonium at a higher rate than. <laughs> Right, right. Well. And that's what I want is like a drug wars kind of thing, honestly, yeah. where like if they're, you know, if each of the civilizations that we found had their own space station or market center, like I want to mine resources in one place and then kind of like through experimentation, find the place where I can sell it for more, yeah. you know. And th- and that's that's Starflight 2. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also like not like not this game. Like it just doesn't it's not very yeah, concerned yeah. with that. Yeah. Um, and, and that's that why I don't cool. that's why I don't hold it against it. Like I can yeah. I can appreciate the simplicity. Um, the fo- the focus is elsewhere. Yeah. Um, so you spend the first, like, I would say roughly a third of the game uh, upgrading your ship. Right. Doing this kind of research loop here. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, we're going to describe kind of the, like, the moment to moment for this. Like, a lot of what we do here is going to kind of reflect and mimic what we do later on to actually, like, complete the main quest of the game. So, like... When you control your ship on the star system map, you know, you are kind of approaching these different planets and they're all kind of like a gravity well. Um, mm. And they're going to like loop you into uh, their orbit, um, which is a real impressive tech kind of thing. It, I think it's really satisfying. Oh, yeah. People, I've seen people online kind of complain about it, but I think the feel of this, like in general, I think the kinesthetics of this game are really good. Mm-hmm. Um, when you are accelerating with your ship, you have this weight. When you are landing on a planet, like mm-hmm. breaking free of gravity. Or mm-hmm. taking off like it feels really weighty <laughs> and then i think part of the reason why this mining loop is so good for me is just the sound effects oh yeah for it are really satisfying this like when <laughs> so when you eventually get down there and we'll get to this but the, like that ching 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 shuff 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 yep <laughs> like <laughs> that, that sound they, is that very they describe onomatopoetically in the yes. uh, in the manual <laughs> that sound is just very good to me like there's something about the rhythm of that that i really really like mm-hmm. um so you're going around out of these different planets planets uh you establish orbit uh, just by flying around it It'll tell you that orbit is established. Uh, yeah. Literally, tell you with a voice yeah. sample. If if you if you fuck up, it just draws you to the center and you hold still, um, yes. and you have to like achieve distance. I think that's the uh, that is the point of friction that people are running into. Um, mm-hmm. Either that, or as they're trying to cross a, uh, a a star system, they're kind of drawn into the orbit of a planet that they don't necessarily want to be at. Yeah. Just just kind of recognizing the flaws in that system. I agree that it feels good, but I just want to put that out. Yeah, it can be. It's a tactical thing, too. Like you can be in a hostile star system mm-hmm. and be trying to get through and get drawn into gravity right. from a planet you don't want to get drawn into. But like, I don't know I can't get mad at that. Not because not just because it's minor, but that feels kind of cool to me. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm running away from, you know, I'm deep in uh, you like star system looking for an artifact. I'm mm-hmm. running away and I get drawn into a gravity well. Yep. 
You know, like there, there's this, there's an element of this game where, and this is undoubtedly the fact that I played this when I was 12, but where you can fill in this kind of extra narrative and short stories to this. Mm-hmm. You know, there's that little flavor that you kind of have to pretend and meet it like halfway. So in my mind, you know, I'm running away from these aliens and I, I have this like kind of Star Trek-esque adventure where I get stuck in this gravity well and have to break free of gravity, mm-hmm. you know, use the um, inertia. Yeah. To kind of like, you know, slingshot further away from them and outrun them. Things like that, you know. Yeah. And you're not even seeing them on the screen. Like you're seeing. No, they're, 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 they're random they encounters are. and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're not they're not random. It's, when they're not on the map, you don't. They're coordinates. So right. Those little yeah. coordinates that appear. So they are. They exist. You just don't see them. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's there's an element of that stuff that I think leads to little stories in, in my mind mm-hmm. that I really like. Yeah. Um, so, you, so you get uh, you get orbit. You scan the planet. What you're looking for here is a uh, mineral and biodensity, which is uh, what they sound like. You know, <laughs> um, you can make money from selling life forms right. from like stunning animals and stuff. It's not a very good money maker, but something with a very high biodensity, you can do that. Right. Um, <laughs> the way you said stunning animals, like, oh, my gosh, just yeah. just gorgeous. Just uh, yeah. my my heart skipped a beat when I saw this space antelope. Yeah, the, mm. they're not even space. Like the the actual monsters in this are real asset. Yeah. <laughs> 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 they've got some real asset problems <laughs> yeah. um and the mineral density the higher mineral density obviously the more minerals mm-hmm. um the other thing you're looking at is this kind of set of stats for the planet that determine uh how dangerous it's going to be and whether it's colonizable right uh, which is a big source of money yeah so um, there's like uh temperature there is the uh, kind of stability of the climate and there's mm-hmm. also like geological stability um, yes. If you try to land on a on a planet that has greater than eight gravity, you'll just die. Like it'll just... it's definitely not eight. I think it's twenty. Is it okay? Is I thought yeah. yeah, eight is the number that I saw. Um, that uh that, that that does it, but just kind of like as you try and land, you'll just well, they, yeah. and they warn you to. Like, yeah, if you yeah. do that, it will say like the gravity is too hard. You will die. Yep. <laughs> um, you can still do it if you want. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you can get to a gravity that's close to that, and you have to be real careful as you're, you know, landing. Yeah, as you're um, your so approach. You, you, cho- you choose a landing point. You get a little map. Um, and then, uh, you land and you have to kind of like hit the gas enough to land gently. And you just have to like feather the throttle. Yeah. 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 Um, and then you get out, you get your TV. Um, mm-hmm. this is a, you got tank controls. It's a little like cute scooter. Like, <laughs> like it makes these little cute noises as it scoots around. Pop, 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 pop. Uh, and the loop is scanning for minerals and, uh, digging through the different layers of soil mm-hmm. to try to pull them up. Yeah. Um, and so this is actually, uh, kind of like a little memory game almost because sure. it's kind of tile based. Like you'll see just these arrays of squares that represent where the, uh, where the minerals are. And, uh, you know, that, that is only there when the scan is up and scans require fuel to do. So like you will be just kind of like in a general area, fire off the scanner, look at where the minerals are, and then just kind of like try and re- remember where they're, where they are as you go around and then drill for them as you go. Mm-hmm. And you're just filling up your, your cargo tanks right. uh, and then going back to the ship, etc. You know, you, you just kind of keep doing that. That's the loop. Um, there are a couple like really minor considerations here. Uh, as I mentioned, there are some uh, plants that have creatures. Um, these will either be hostile or not hostile, but you can hit them enough times to stun them and pick them up if you like. Mm-hmm. Um, the most annoying ones or the most dangerous ones are birds, I found. Oh, yeah. Um, I definitely had a couple planets where, and that you will form kind of a train if you run away from them, um, and they will just chase you, and they'll chase your actual spaceship as you move, make little hops yep. to find different mining locations. So I just had like thirty birds, just <laughs> this flock of of uh, death pterodactyls chasing my little guy. <laughs> you just have to go up, achieve orbit, and come back when they go back home. 
Yeah, yeah, just, yeah. <laughs> you have to give up, or or you can just you can kind of juke them mm-hmm. um, because they move in these like loops. You know, they have a, a kind of a, a, a inertia mm-hmm. that you don't have. You can kind of take advantage of. Yeah. Um, the other big thing is weather. Yeah, yeah. So like wind and earthquakes will either like move you around, um, reduce your efficiency. Um, driving over mountains also reduces your fuel efficiency. Or too. driving over water. Or driving over water. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then uh, then earthquakes will actually like shake your shit apart. Yes. And the way and, that you inoculate yourself against that is actually to drill deep enough. I think it's like four clicks in order to like secure yourself to bedrock. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A little D appears yep. uh, next to your coordinates. So, you know, you're dug in. You put your um, dick in the ground. Yeah, exactly. You fuck that hole. You find yep. a land, Virginia. Yep. And, and you fuck it. Yeah. Um, the uh, <laughs> the uh, one of the things I love when you said you get blown around, it makes it sound like you just kind of get drifted. <laughs> but there are big tornadoes that pick you up and go. Whoa, 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 you around. It's really silly. Yep. <laughs> it um, makes three stooges sounds. It's it's really 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 goofy. Um, <laughs> that using extra fuel for mountains and water is something eventually, and uh, the mineral scanner taking mm-hmm. eight, ten units, um, eventually kind of becomes like a tactic. Mm-hmm. Uh, when like if I'm if I have eleven units left and my cargo is full and I'm too far away from the ship, mm-hmm. you'll I'll do a mineral scan just to use fuel to get teleported back sooner. <laughs> yep. Or you know get on water so I know I get teleported back sooner. Yeah. It takes you know a lot of fuel to move over water. Man, that flat de- that flat device is goddamn essential. Like there are it's so many an, of these artifacts yeah. that just fundamentally alter the loop of the game. But yeah. that is the one that like I think you know I did a couple of runs without the flat device just trying to save up money for it. Mm. Um, and uh, before and after it was just night and day. It makes a big difference. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of you know you can see in in a later game like somebody would tell you this. Mm-hmm. You know it would be like a tutorial thing, but. The fact that they put that in the opening, you know, in the marketplace mm-hmm. is communicating to you the importance of artifacts in general. Right. Like to put one of the most useful ones available right from the beginning of the game is saying, hey, you know, one of the, you're kind of looking for your own structure here. One of the things you should be doing is looking for artifacts because right. not only is that part of the state mission and you need them for the win condition, but also uh, you're going to like them. Yeah, it's a, qu- it's a quality of life consideration yeah. almost more than anything else. Yeah, they're pre- universally pretty good. Yeah. Um, so essentially, that's what you do. You you make this loop mm-hmm. back and forth. Um, yep. And once you fill up the uh, the ATV, you go back to the ship. And once the ship is fueled up or uh, filled up, rather, um, and I guess filled uh, fuel does take up your cargo space as well. Once your yes. ship is filled up, you you know will go back to the space station and sell off and kind of do your upgrade. And uh, you know you're going to be more efficient each of these times if you're upgrading um, you know very intelligently in order to maximize that. Yes. Yeah. Um, and that's and that's a lot of this first part of the game. You can do it all in the first system, like you said, um, mm-hmm. but you can also, excuse me, uh, go explore, uh, which is kind of where the fun comes from. Is is you know, or one of the the kind of fun parts of the exploration is finding a system, scanning a couple of planets, and when you find a planet that's like, oh, this has tons of rhodium, you know, like <laughs> I'm so down oh, for that. Man, rhodium, I rhodium, that it's right next to, to Trevertonium. And wait, like, wait, who invited rhodium to this party? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 trilons. the um you know so so you you find this this planet that's very rich it's pretty satisfying and you, you know you can go down and just make a real haul mm-hmm. and eventually what always happens when i play this game is i find something i really like a ship mm-hmm. or, a, or a system rather that i really like and then i just make a couple routes yeah once you find something that is you know rodneyum heaven uh <laughs> you uh two or three runs and you'll max out your ship right like so it it, it happens pretty quick yeah. Um this game is not long. Like it's as long as you want it to be, but like if you know what you're doing, you can beat it in minutes. Yeah. <laughs> um it's got that kind of quality to it. 
Yeah, I can totally see um, somebody making this kind of like a lifestyle game, especially when options were kind of limited, like this being its own kind of like unicorn of a game. And the game uh, encourages that by letting you play after the the, after you win. Oh, yeah. So after you beat the game, you can keep playing if you like. Yeah, it just it just leans on the satisfaction of like the base systems. Mm -hmm. Yeah, of just exploring and and seeing what these these things have to offer. It's, again, very, very primitive, but 30 years ago. (laughs) Right. Um, So. So uh, now that you have started kind of getting money, you can expand your loops that you can make from your ship. Yes. Um, And this is primarily helped by getting better engines and more fuel. Um, And eventually, you know, like if you haven't gotten familiar with the star map, you know, you will leave your solar system and then kind of get this uh, more zoomed out view as you're um, going around trying to find these different uh, these different systems. Uh, mm-hmm. to look at and it doesn't take doesn't take too much to either find continuum fluxes like there are emails that say hey we've discovered one or two of these there are lists of fluxes um in the uh, in the manual as mm-hmm. well um you know by, by by coordinates um and kind of using those different resources you're able to kind of like navigate away into uh into alien space on the uh, on the galactic map and w- one of the things i really love about the way those fluxes work is that it is a uh... It's a real concrete measure of empowerment for the player mm-hmm. where it start, they start out as nightmares. You know, like when I first started <laughs> playing this as a, as a kid and before I knew kind of the correct way to play it, um, you're going out, getting lost in space was like a terrible feeling. Oh, yeah. So anxiety um, inducing. It's Yeah. And, as, you know, you start seeing those numbers pop up for aliens and my communicator's not good and my weapons are not great. Uh, it can be, you know, it can be death or you have to do a distress signal, which costs a lot of money right. um, to get towed back. Um but the uh, eventually, as you get more mastery, there's an artifact that helps with it. Your navigator helps with it. The continuum fluxes end up being like a fast travel mm-hmm. thing. And it's actually to get one of the artifacts, which is what, you know, functions as quests in this game. There's one of those quests that uses a series of those. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just it feels very good to have this thing that was something I was terrified of <laughs> now be under my dominion. Yeah, eventually, eventually be something that feels pretty elemental to your success. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so the um, you're going to run into random encounters once you get into alien space, mm-hmm. um, as we mentioned. Um, all alien ships look the same until you scan them. Right. They look like a generic uh, generic ship that has the exact same shape as the Ninja Turtles Tiger Handheld game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a really good comparison, actually. That's that's exactly what it's shaped like. That's, when I used to have the Ninja Turtles handheld game when I was little, I used to pretend like it was a Starflight ship. Oh wow! Um, yeah, yeah. yeah you, you really do go way back with this game, don't you? Yeah, man. <laughs> like I love this game. This okay. Is, uh, no, this no, is, I, I, I'm real into it. No, I'm, um, I'm not expressing skepticism. I just that that like you mentioning a Tiger handheld game actually puts this like i can picture i can picture a 12 year old gary like being super into it yeah i was i was a real little kid mm-hmm. when i was in this is like my my cousin my Sega cousin that i've talked about a bunch <laughs> at this and i just used to watch for just like hours like fascinated mm-hmm. yeah uh, by this which is weird because i'm not like a space guy now no like no. space doesn't and and one of the things that um with modern space games that do have that added complexity it reminds me of how i haven't really followed SimCity. Mm-hmm. You know, like SimCity hit the perfect amount of complication for me with yeah, SNES, which is like super simple. <laughs> but that's how complicated I want SimCity and like space sims where they don't abstract as much. Like when we talk about that resource loop that we were talking about before, each run is like a couple minutes, mm-hmm. you know, so there's no load times. Everything you're you're traversing really huge distances, but it's abstracted to the point to where it takes almost no time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's important to me. Yeah. Um, like I can't wait, you know, between planets in like essentially real time, yeah. you know. 
can't I'm, do it. I'm going to say this, and it's going to sound like I'm saying you're not engaging with it on a high enough level. I think probably because I came to this kind of game a lot later than mm. you did. Like, I prize a little bit higher of a... I, I prize a game that demands a little bit more planning. They're both in, they're, they're both entirely valid values. You know, things to, like, look for in these kind of things. But, like, for for, for me, I, I like something that says, like, okay, like, not enough of this is abstracted, so you're really going to have to make everything count. It's not, when I say abstracted, I mean more literally uh, distances and times. Mm-hmm. You know, I guess is what I, I'm talking about. Not so much systems. Like, I, I think if I'm going to play one of these games now if it, outside of nostalgia i would want that added complexity too mm-hmm. like we you know this is this is a rare game for the show that i'm like giving a, a pass almost entirely based on my memories and context mm-hmm. of history yeah um if i was coming to this for the first time now i would probably feel like it's a you know a little too simple mm-hmm. it's slight so that's fine like you beat it very fast but mm-hmm. um i would think it was too simple yeah yeah like this is this is almost entirely a historical artifact like i i'm super into looking at this and seeing like the just you know the basic systems in this that spiraled out into entire games yeah like there wouldn't be i mean we star control 2 is very is on probably the short list of like masterpiece stuff we've done oh for sure and like star control dude that wouldn't exist without this like this is literally you know star control 0.5 yeah <laughs> so much of that game is is in this the yeah. um but i guess what what i mean is like the things that annoy me i don't mind the fiddliness of trading systems things like that i mm-hmm. like uh just it taking a long time to do some of these things mm-hmm. uh is too much for me yeah you know and that's and that's a really minor complaint but that will get me mm-hmm. you know like oh it takes it takes a minute to like get between these planets yep. you know or, or you know 40 seconds it takes 40 seconds to get between these things like nope <laughs> like I, I need to be able to it needs to be snappier than that for yeah. me to, to get into it space travel i don't actually want space to i want it to be big in my imagination mm-hmm. i don't want it to be big in the game yeah you know um yeah i will i will fill in those blanks on my own mm-hmm. thank you <laughs> um, when you uh so when you run into an alien uh, you have different postures yep. that you select uh, you don't have actual dialogue options it's just what you you know God, I, I love I love the way that they quantize this, actually, mm-hmm. like because it's kind of all you need in the absence of a star control esque dialogue tree, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then star control had like a dialogue tree, but it's still pretty simple. It wasn't like a, you know, like a fallout dialogue tree. Right. If I recall, like there were like dialogue options, but there was still more dead ends and more linearity to it. Um mm-hmm. This is it's it reminds me of um like Alpha Protocol or something like that, where you're just you're choosing an approach. Right. Um so it's friendly, obsequious, and hostile. Mm-hmm. And uh it's pretty you know, much exactly what it sounds like. <laughs> yeah. And the uh and you have this talk, you know, you can raise your shields and uh arm your weapons, which is always a threat, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um and the way these alien races work pretty much is that you get them into whatever they're going to respond to, and then you use them for information. Right. So uh, the aliens respond to different things, uh, and it's not obvious. Um, They position it, again, just kind of a game design thing. Um, The first race you're going to run into almost always are the speedmen. (laughs) And it's important, like, one, the speedmen will react favorably to two different uh, postures. Mm -hmm. So you have um, a way of uh, kind of, you know, less, less fail condition for that. Um, Um, Additionally, there's there's an artifact that you can buy at the space station that just immediately makes them... Um, yes you know incredibly servile and the reason like again the way that the lore in this game is kind of hidden the reason why we have this is when they in the old empire um they like commit like 
declared war on us. And then when that first wave came, they asked for asylum. Um, <laughs> so that's when they joined us. And that is where we got this kind of dominion over them. So you're buying like an artifact, like an old artifact right. from, from this old, you know, thousands of years ago that <laughs> cowed their race. Right. So, but they make that like the beginner race and they're not very dangerous if you fuck up. No, no. They're yeah. kind of wimpy in a fight. Yeah. Um, and essentially what you're doing is you're, you're looking for information about these different topics and you're trying to find like coordinates, like other places to explore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And different races kind of know about different things. Like you can read the manual and there's flavor text in there that kind of indicates like, oh, they know their shit about the old empire, but like the ancients, that is mostly like deceptions and lies. Yes. Like they like that, like their, their stuff is just not on point. Yeah. And the, the game also does that thing, um, that role-playing games do where, uh, things are more dangerous the further they are away from your home base. Right. Just because it just works out that way. So, you know, you're going to run into the Speedman and the Bloxy initially, and then you get to the Elawan and Thryn, which are trickier. And then you run into the actual hostile races and the mystery races. Mm -hmm. um, so let's go through them. Let's talk about the different races in this Let's game. do it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they're amazing. Just amazing uh, illustrations of these oh, things yeah. in the manuals. Yeah. Like full page, glorious, like painterly looking things. Like just... like their planets too. Like it's yeah. like their home planets, <laughs> which is really cool. Yeah. Um, and each of them has their, their own kind of like language, like vocal text kind of things. Oh my gosh, just so great. Uh, so the Elowan, uh, these are guys that you can uh, hire for your ship. Um, I like that they're just plant people. And mm -hmm. their attractiveness is, uh, if you believe that uh, that personal ad, their attractiveness is determined by how well foliated they are. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep, I like I like that. Um, they are. Uh, there's tons of amazing. So they are they are philosopher kings. Like you know they are they are smart. They're interested in beauty and philosophy and peace. Um, there's a lot of really cool little nuggets you get from talking to these guys. Mm -hmm. um, you know you learn about their life cycle where uh, you know they grow from these, these seeds. Uh, but some of them don't actually grow out of a seed and they become something called head fruit and uh, head fruit are essentially spit out spores and make, um, you know, more Elowin. Mm -hmm. The uh, and you also can learn about uh, kind of some of their culture and stuff um, where you you learn about they have songs about like what times planets will fall mm -hmm. like in their system. Like this planet is doomed to fall. This one shortly after this one shortly after mm -hmm. when you start knowing more about the macro plot, that order actually follows <laughs> the order that things will will die every uh, a lot of these aliens have kind of these destruction myths mm -hmm. that actually map to what's happening to the universe yeah they all have their own like book of revelations yes yeah and you have to kind of put that together like it's pretty neat because they're mm -hmm. different yeah. you know they're, they're not all the same but you're just like oh these are all talking about the same thing like and, and it can feel so incidental too like it can yes. feel like just not not at all relevant it's almost like the you know the ravings of a crazy man <laughs> and, that ultimately and that's ends up where being, it's like yeah. it's up to you to put this stuff together. That's right. where like that Dark Souls connection comes to. And it's like, again, 13 years old. But at the time, <laughs> it was just like, oh, that's what they're talking about. Like, yeah. this isn't nonsense. Like, these, this is actually all information. And that was really, <laughs> really relevatory. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my, one of my favorite things about these guys is their relationship with the Thrin. So they're brutal enemies, at least the ones who are from off Earth. Um, and, um, the, the, the reason is because, uh, Thryn prized the head fruit. Yes. And, and again, there's a lot of like cool history to this too, where like, cause they were all part of this old empire. There was this confederation with everybody. Um, and the Thryn, uh, you know, didn't eat head fruit and then the empire fell and the Thryn were just like, we're no longer, you know, uh, accountable to UN sanctions. <laughs> Let's go have a food party. Yep. And the Thryn are incredible, uh, cause they're like kind of mercantile. Um, but they lie to you mm -hmm. in like the best possible ways. There's a little detail um, that you learn about. Uh, I think you learn it from the Veloxi, but when the Thryn first joined 
uh, they joined the Empire first. Mm-hmm. And they convinced the humans that the Elowin weren't sentient <laughs> when they first got there. They're just like, yeah, there's these plants. They're not sentient, though. You can just harvest them. Fucking asshole. They're going to scream, but that's just gases escaping. Exactly. <laughs> that's the um, And at some point, they give you the, the home planet of the, the Ulek, which are the, the big bad guys in this. But they actually give you the coordinates of the Elowin home planet <laughs> Fucking to assholes. tell you to go blow it up. It's so good. They're like, we, like, hey, you know, because we're friends, I can give you the secret. This is the Ulek home planet and give you the actual Elowin home planet, which is so funny. Um, yeah. And it's and it's great because, uh, because if, you know, if you're comparing stories, the Elowin talk in this very, uh, God, I'm going to say this and I hate it, this very flowery prose. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, you know, like this kind of old English poetic um, kind of like multi-part, like not quite pentameter, but kind of in that in that same neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it might be triameter, actually. Um, but um, the uh, the three and they're very plain spoken, like they just kind of like speak very plain, simple English, except they throw some hisses in. Yeah. You and know? they even say that they that they speak. They they talk about things uh, in direct opposition to the Elowan. Yep. So they say, like, we are not poetical. There's actually like when you do the just tell us about yourself mm-hmm. thing and you get your random little responses. At one point, the Elowan say, like, we're concerned with art, beauty and philosophy. And then another one when you're talking to the Thrin, they will say, we're not we're not concerned with such nonsense as uh, art, beauty, and philosophy. <laughs> like, they're set up in direct opposition to you. Yeah. <laughs> and the fact that they serve very similar purposes within the, with like, the macro plot kind of implies mm-hmm. that it's, you know, you're, it's a choice. Like, yeah. which one you're going to kind of, like, identify with. Like, I'm more of an Elowan kind of guy. I'm a, oh, yeah. I'm a I mean, soft, I, sensitive man. Me too. <laughs> but the, the nice thing is there are kind of different uh, mechanical benefits mm-hmm. to them. Um, the Thrin... If you do find artifacts that you don't want, the Thren will buy them. Yep. Um, for more than than Starport will. Yep. And Inner Cell uh, says, "Please do not do this." Yeah, because <laughs> we we want them, but you can get more more Endurium. Mm-hmm. And then Elowin, if you ever in Elowin space and you have less than uh, twenty units of Endurium, they'll give you some. Yep. Uh, you'll talk to them and they'll be like, "Hey, we noticed you you could use a buck. Like here yep. you go. It's really sweet." Um, but they say, "Are you in need?" And if you say yes and you're not in need, then that will piss them off. Right. Um, you know they don't they don't uh, truck with lying. But there are these different kind of mechanical benefits yeah. uh, between them. We didn't talk about this when we talked about the races. The other kind of reason why you might want to use a Thrin, um, and this comes up, uh, doesn't come up that often, but the aliens also have different amounts of hardiness, mm-hmm. uh, how likely they are to be injured. Right. And the uh, Elowin have kind of more skills, but they are really, really fragile. The, the, like the Elowin are basically elves almost. Yeah. 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 Um, so the reason why if you want to choose a communicator, you might choose a Thrin because he's mm-hmm. much less likely to get hurt. Right. Um, the Mechan. Yep. Uh, so these things are these weird kind of androids uh, that you <laughs> kind of have to pass this this quiz to even talk to. They, they look like uh, like uh, T-800s or whatever they are. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're, yeah. they're, they're pretty great. They're just robotic skeletons. Um, but yeah, they speak in riddles and they will be very hostile to you if you do not satisfy their criteria. I mean, it's not, they're not riddles. They're like do you, they're questions with no context. Right. Like, yeah. do, do you serve Leighton? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know who Leighton is. The kind of neat thing about this mechanically is that your reward like these guys are a huge font of information and are probably the most information you're going to get mm-hmm. uh from the game you get a lot of useful coordinates from them but you're rewarded for having the context from other things right so if you explore a lot of ruins you talk to a lot of aliens you'll know the right answer to these mm-hmm. these things yeah um and eventually your goal with these guys their only function is to get them to open their memory banks mm-hmm. um and you can learn a lot about uh this old you know before the actual like the first wave of the cataclysm mm-hmm. that happened um, learn about this old ex- expedition. Yep. Um, this Noah expedition. Yeah, uh, they're guarding a planet called Heaven, which is uh, a really good planet to log and has <laughs> interesting ruins on it. Yep. 
Um, and, and now we kind of get into some of the ones that, uh, end up being just like a little bit low. Well, I guess the Veloxi are really important. I just ordered this weird. Um, the, 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 the Gazeratoids, the Gazeratoids, whatever they mm-hmm. are. Um, these are like space octopus religious zealots. Um, they don't end up being terribly plot important. They're mostly just an opposition. The, I think that they're there. Yeah. So they're, they're the second wave, um, with the, the Ulek, mm-hmm. uh, and they are hostile. Um, but they are kind of, so this is so you can run into a hostile alien that you can actually talk your way out of. Yep. I think so. It's not instant death because these guys are, again, the religious zealots. If you are very obsequious to them and, you know, don't show aggression, you can usually get away. Yeah. Just run away. Uh, my favorite detail about these guys is uh, their pejorative term for humans is skeletoids. Yeah. I like that too. <laughs> my, my favorite detail is if you uh, ask them about themselves enough, uh, one of the dialogues, I took a screenshot of it. Uh, where they say, uh, and Blurger begat, Gerbelgerb, who begat, who begat, and these are all just L's, U's, B's, and R's, uh, who begat, but, and it goes on for a while, and then uh, thereby was the begatting begun. Yeah, like this game is, uh, you know, I, th- I think Star Control is a, is a funnier game. Oh, um, very, very much so. Yeah, but this is like kind of like more subtly. Like you have to work for it to get like that that good of a detail. Like because who's going to be on good terms with a fucking Gazertoids? You, do, it's just you know, and the, they'll kind of just preach at you if you let them, mm-hmm. you know. But like the, again, it's not it's not a question of being funnier. It's just a question of being informing the humor of mm-hmm. you know. So it's just being funny first, and then kind of being part of the basis. I yeah. think. Yeah. Um, the Vloxy. <laughs> uh, show up. These were the first aliens that humans ever got in contact with, and this is why we have space flight. Um, yes, we they, copied their ships. Yep, they are B men. Um, yes, man, I don't like these guys very much. They're useful on your crew, uh, yeah. but whenever you run into them, I would say have the Veloxi blues. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna see if you're gonna make make that joke. Or not. Make a Neil Simon yeah. joke. Yeah. Okay. The, cool. Um, the uh, uh, it's these guys. Uh, they have a really weird way of speaking that sounds a little bit like to me like a cartoon rabbi. Um, <laughs> yeah, I would say it's it's like a mixture between a rabbi and Yoda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like uh, when I say cartoon rabbi, I say that like there's more than just like uh, Rabbi Kristofsman. Like Krusty's <laughs> dad is what her, her, reminds Herschel me of. Kristofsky. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, Krusty's uh, yeah, uh, dad is what it reminds me of. Um, so these guys are uh, they're described kind of disdainfully by all the other aliens is that they're like not very smart. Like, and that's because they have this insect brain. They can do, you know, they can make ships and everything, but they're not very wise. Um, the trick to these guys, um, one is that you have to kind of give them tribute. Mm-hmm. Whenever you're in their territory, they'll ask you for fuel. Yeah. Um, until eventually you get an artifact for them and then you can become friends with them. But right. um, they, the ancients, which we don't know a lot about and are different from the old empire. Like they, right. they sound similar, but they're not. Um, these guys say they're descendants of the ancients. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's all bullshit. And yep. every other alien race will tell you this. Like, <laughs> They're going to say that they're, they you a, know, they have a very inflated sense of self-importance. Yes. Gary, I'm so sorry I lied to you. Herschel is Krusty's name. His dad is Hyman Krustovsky. Thank you. Okay. I, I knew. I was just waiting for you. To, okay, cool. I wanted you to come to it on your own. Okay. No, that's fine. I appreciate it. Yeah. Very cool. <laughs> um, the, uh, but yeah, these guys are very useful, but also kind of harder to deal with. Right. Are more annoying, yep. and they also put drones out. Like the majority of the drones that you're going to find around, like very plot relevant planets, are going to be um, kind of related to them or deployed by them. And mo- and most of them are in their system. I don't think they have like drones in other aliens' systems. They're mostly mm-hmm. in Veloxi systems, but that ends up being a weird kind of 
getting past those drones like you can just destroy them they're mm-hmm. not that hard to fight yeah and, and it doesn't like hurt your relations with them yeah they don't they don't know that their drones got blown up um if you get good enough relations with the Veloxi, they'll tell you the secret um the drones give you this little quiz they just give you a series <laughs> of numbers and you just say yes or no and you say yes if they're divisible by six and no if they're not right um and that's how you you answer the drone quiz um <laughs> but yeah these guys that you know put up that guard uh, and stuff so but they're you know they're very old race and that's kind of the kind of their thing mm-hmm. um the minstrels are real weird yes um, you, these are you... not like ships like these are big alien like their ship is the shape of them essentially mm-hmm. it's like a big organic thing yeah yeah and they're kind of these spacefaring poets uh that yes. kind of sing songs and they have they have kind of the most information about the asians but it's very heavily encoded in their in their prose yes once you've heard the poem you can safely just kill these things right um if you want because the, i find them a little annoying Mm-hmm. Um, and want to run away soon. <laughs> um, the Speemen, uh, which have a direct uh, descendant in uh, Star Control 2. I can't remember what those things are called. Ash, um, I can't either. There, the, these things uh, just kind of carried over almost directly mm-hmm. um, are these blob things uh, who are also really funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, they're very, they're incredibly cowardly. And uh, yes. like they, they posture um, very hard. Uh, if you don't have that artifact, you know, you kind of just have to deal with them regularly. However, if you destroy one of their ships, all Spemen will just, like, defer to you immediately. Like, yes. if you show any backbone, they're going to be like, whoa, this guy's, a, this guy's a real problem. And it's funny that they have no backbone because they're literally blob men. They're basically yes. like, they look like Ultros. <laughs> um, there's all these kind of, like, neat details about these guys where uh, they uh, they built all their ships by copying uh, other uh, ships. So they copy the Gerzertoids, Gerz- uh, uh, ships, but they um, didn't use the same materials and they didn't do it very well. So that's why those ships suck. Um, you know, all these these like little things. And um, they also, uh, uh, if you ever like, if anyone ever plays the Star Starflight Two, um, it is about the Speemen like gaining supremacy. Like they find a new way to travel through space because you know, spoiler, Endurium kind of becomes untenable. Right. Uh, in this, uh, they find a new way to do it, and it's about them like getting power and how awful they are once they actually have power. And that is how Starflight Two relates to Chrono Cross. Yeah, <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Um, uh, the final race here uh, is the Ulak, which is uh, kind of the uh, nameless, faceless, horrible Lovecraftian monstrosity that uh, yes. you cannot reason with. They just have incredibly powerful ships um, that will wreck you if you go into their space. Um, they're a hive mind yes, and they have like a, a, a gang ganglion at the center <laughs> of their planet, like a brain that controls them in the center of the planet. Uh, so yeah, you cannot negotiate with them and they're, they will wreck shit, uh, really awfully. Like even, you know, if you're fully upgraded, it's hard to spar with these things. Mm-hmm. Um, they're really tough. Um, yeah, those are the different races. And essentially, like we said, you're getting information and sometimes, uh, coming to blows with these guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when it comes to blows, uh, you're going to end up uh, uh, in combat, which is it's pretty simple. Um, it's not as varied as Star Control, which makes sense because this game came out so far out of that and formed it. But it is kind of an asteroids with momentum kind of thing where you are trying to um, either take them out with uh, short range lasers or kind of these long range missiles, depending on what you kind of like brought to the fight. Yes. Yeah. And you can switch between them. You can actually when you buy a weapon, you're not just buying one weapon. You can actually buy all the weapons. Mm-hmm. And scroll between them, but they're not like situationally useful. It's not a very right. deep system. Yeah. Um, you know, there's an impressive number of weapons, but they're not very good. Right. And combat in this is not like super satisfying. No. Um, you know, I avoided it whenever I could, uh, if I wasn't going to just win. And mm-hmm. weapon wise, I always chose like twin lances, like something that just went straight mm-hmm. because that's what I could kind of wrap my head around. Yeah. Um, 
there's some other minor considerations. Uh, the the Gozatroids. Uh, I, I think my whole life I've been saying uh, Gozatroid, mm-hmm. which is not what they're called, but uh, that's why my, my tongue wants to say this one. Uh, they're mean. immune to to missiles, hmm. um, and lasers are short are short range, so you can't. Uh, they have a, a technology that eventually you can get mm-hmm. that uh, makes you resistant to, yeah. uh, or no, you get a thing that makes you resistant to lasers. Mm-hmm. But um, they're resistant to missiles, so there's a couple little combat things, but for the most part, it's pretty simple. Um, you can do just fine running away. Yeah, in most cases, uh, because once you actually leave the encounter, if you keep moving, you're moving at a different speed. They're unlikely to cut you. Right. Yeah, and then if you end up taking any damage afterwards, this is where your engineering and medical teams um, kind of factor in. Um, repairing the ship specifically requires that you have elements on board. So there are like a handful of elements that like a fact will highlight um, uh, that you want to keep around. But otherwise, if you hit a ceiling with like what you can do without these uh, kind of materials, it'll say, hey, we need more aluminum yeah. to do this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And if you're, if you're making a deep excursion into difficult space, it's good to have a good amount of those key elements on you yeah because it just unlike endurium it's not something that i you, i guess you can buy every one of these elements but like you can't count on just like going to a place and finding them yeah they won't necessarily exactly so yeah. you want to buy them from starport mm-hmm. and keep them with you if you think there's gonna be a chance you're going to repair your ship yeah. and then uh, medical things just take time mm-hmm. um so yeah so you're kind of going around and eventually the actual main quest starts right. uh, after a while of gathering resources a certain amount of in-game days you get a science report down at uh, starbase about mysterious solar flares that are destroying planets across the galaxy. Right. Um, Interstellar obviously wants to stop these because they're they're moving in a in a wave. Yes, they're and as they notice this pattern, they're also noticing that the very star that Earth is orbiting, and thus the space station, um, is kind of destabilizing um, yes. as it goes on. And something that uh, was more of a factor in the PC version, I think, and the Genesis kind of uh, played it down, was like as time goes on, Endurium becomes more expensive. Yes. Um, so you're under a time crunch under two kind of different conditions. Right. There. Which is a very PC thing. You know, see also mm-hmm. Fallout, but is not in favor in a more friendly console world. Right. So they that's one of the reasons why they toned that down. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of funny because, you know, as as these details kind of come to light, you would get you get these kind of missives on the board that say, Hey, please stay away from these particular coordinates because, well, you're you know, you're gonna get your shit wrecked if you go there. Uh but yes. that is where you want to be. Pretty much if you get a set of coordinates, you need to go there. Right. Or you, there'll be something worthwhile. You'll either get an artifact or a message that will lead you to another set of coordinates that will lead to an artifact, send, you know, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Like, if you get a set of coordinates, they're important. Mm-hmm. Um, almost always. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, kind of moving through with the uh, these getting the information that we need. Mm-hmm. Um, these kind of diplomatic quests, the alien part of this. Um, when you eventually, if you head east from where you're at, um, you'll eventually run into those mechanoids, which we talked about who are guarding uh, an old empire, an old empire ship. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, kind of through talking to them a little bit through trial and error, but also if you talk to other races, you can find this out. Um, you find, they ask if you are with uh, the Noah project. Mm-hmm. Um, and eventually if you can convince them that you are this thing called Noah nine, mm-hmm. the ship, they'll actually tell you where earth is. Right. The old earth is. Um, and yeah, earth is colonizable. Like the, the conditions are still there, but it just, it is just covered with ruins. Yes. Um, more, more, more than anything. Um, and this is kind of like the primary, you know, not the primary mystery, but like the first big mystery that you have to solve um, kind of by going to, you know, following the directions uh, to get the information to unlock this because this opens up their data banks. Yes. Yeah. Um, and it was, again, 13-year-old Gary, 12-year-old Gary, uh, <laughs> finding Earth and having it be all in ruins was really cool. 
mm-hmm. in this game when you just get the star map and I recognize it as like a Mercator map of you know our <laughs> actual planet. Yeah, was was super cool. Yeah. Um. So you had you know you eventually you get to Earth and you get these record you get these little apocalypse logs. Right. Um. When you head to ruins, sometimes the interface for this is super sloppy. Mm-hmm. Um, you only get two lines of text at once <laughs> and it pops up whenever you hit the spot. Like right. You don't have to s- click to confirm it, which is kind of annoying. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's but, also uh, good because if it was just available all the time that like, hey, just investigate for a log here. Well, fuck you. No. Well, yeah, exactly. I don't want false positives. Right. You know, for it. It's just this weird thing where like I end up triggering it. You can't also nope out of it. Mm-hmm. It will always go through the entire thing. So I've had, so had a couple times of like, <laughs> you know, would would you like me to repeat your mission? Yes, no. And it defaults to yes. Kind of thing where I accidentally just like, Ugh, <laughs> stop talking to me, roll. Um, so. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, there, 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 there's some kind of horrible thing. Like Earth became untenable and they were searching for this place called heaven. Right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so this, this apocalypse log, you get another set of coordinates. And they say like, you know, we're going to we're going to hold out as long as we can. Um, you you go to those coordinates, you find a message on the ruins, and you find out about this Noah colony, um, mm-hmm. which is heading to heaven, as we mentioned. Um, the Meccans, you find out, were this race of androids that the old empire sent out when they were in trouble to find colonizable planets mm-hmm. uh, in general at first, just because the old empire expanded like crazy, mm-hmm. uh, which is part of the reason why the Vloxy don't like them. Uh, <laughs> they say they are too naughty. Um, <laughs> I mean, um, but you find out, uh, you know, they started in code blue. It becomes code red when they actually need to enact this protocol and evacuate people mm-hmm. from Earth. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Eventually, this leads you towards uh, Veloxi and uh, Gazertoid space. Um, yes. Which uh, kind of um, it's it's funny that kind of the where they point you gets you these uh, gets you these uh, artifacts. They're kind of like modifiers for the game as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, eventually as you kind of interrogate these people and learn a little bit more, you find out that, uh, about this Pythagoras, um, constellation, which is, you know, as you talk to the Meccans, find out where the old empire originated from. Yes. Yeah. And there's this weird little bit of thing, you know, there's not a lot to this, but you get this whole sense of the, uh, the old Noah project being sabotaged by these late nights, mm-hmm. like this guy named Leighton. And I, <laughs> I, that has to be like a cell, like an insert character. Mm-hmm. Like somebody that writers didn't like whose name was Leighton. <laughs> you know, I, I, there's nothing to it. I don't, you know, maybe there is. Maybe there's stuff with like the late nights, maybe knowing actually what was going on with Endurium. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's not a lot of text there. Right. So that's some that's some Dark Souls 3 style uh, baseless <laughs> guessing Yeah. Uh, on my part. Um, so when you, you head back to Marden, um, which, or you get to Marden, which is where the one of the old Empire's bases, um, you find out that uh, those solar flares happened back then too. Right. Um, that was what actually happened. And they were actually working to stop it. They say that you need this device called the black egg. I love the black but egg. I, li- I like that <laughs> phrase a lot. Um, it's what, ha- what do you think the black bugs lay? Um, the black bug room, man. <laughs> oh, it's, no. it's, yeah. Um, and it's, they, they were saying there was this crystal planet, uh, then, and that they were trying to destroy it, but they failed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, it's funny that they have these black eggs because these are kind of prized by the Veloxi along with one of the, one of the other, <laughs> one of the other things that we need to get. Mm. <laughs> um, uh, so there's another quest you can stumble upon. It's the it's the pirate quest uh, to a place called New Scotland. Um, I'd yes. like to go to New Scotland. I understand that's just New Zealand, but New Scotland's pretty cool. Uh, mm. <laughs> and uh, if you if you do this, you can actually get the ellipsoid, which gives you friendly relations with the Veloxi. So they'll stop just being fucking just bothers. Sorting you, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you also the you can get this thing. Uh, find out from the Thrin. Uh, find this thing called the Red Cylinder, which is one of the most useful 
artifacts in the game because yeah. when you go to a planet, it shows you right where the artifact is. Right. Um, because sometimes uh, you get like a planet coordinate where there's artifacts. Sometimes you get just the system, mm -hmm. you know, um, you don't know where it's at on the planet. So yeah. this helps out a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh. Unfortunately, working with the Thrin also puts you right in line with the Ulak. So this is late enough that you're probably going to be relatively well equipped to deal with this, at least defensively. Um, but weapons are also kind of one of the more expensive things you can get. Yes. Um, um, and this is somewhere where, again, you're just kind of rewarded for uh, poking all the, the dead ends. Because if you talk to the Speeman enough, they will tell you about this back door into Ulak space. <laughs> um, there's a set of three different jumps yeah. that you can take. And the, the Speeman... Uh, no, they, they actually learned it from the Gerzatroid, which are allies mm -hmm. that, that you like. But for some reason, you know, and this makes sense because the Speemen are super obsequious to you. The Gerzatroid only react well to be, people being obsequious. <laughs> Therefore, they're, they're kind of friends. The Gerzatroid right. don't destroy the Speemen. Despite nature. Um, yeah. So they've just gotten a lot of information about you know, the Gersatroid and Ulex, so it kind of makes them useful. Yeah, um, and, 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 the, and the Gersatroid also probably are predisposed to the to the, to the Speemen because uh, they're not vertebrates. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's how you, you can kind of go into uh, this ancient ruin, uh, kind of deep through there, uh, and and get the uh, is it the tesseract that's in the Ulek? Uh, yes, the tesseract is there, and that is uh, yeah. the, like if you if you're looking at a fact and you are looking at a list of these, this is a good place to go because the tesseract will just make everything a breeze. It doubles your fuel efficiency, right? Which is really really great. Which cuts the cost of exploration in half. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Again, it's a lot like the flat device, except for space. <laughs> um, you also can find out, and you can bully the Speemen into this information, um, but they have a lot of ancient ruins, uh, if you ask them about the ancients, in their system. Uh, and you can find one where you get an ancient artifact, the Crystal Pearl, uh, which if you are in danger, if you're about to die, it will teleport you randomly. Yeah. So they're kind of like uh, uh, that panic button in uh, Asteroids. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Um, so eventually, like, as we have kind of put the pieces in place with these different civilizations, we have the end result of this in sight, which is this crystal planet that, you know, whose movements kind of presage the, uh, the destruction of these different, uh, these different stars, um, you know, by its movements. Did you end up going to any of the systems that have been burnt out? No. Um, it's pretty neat. Uh, the one that like all the plants are gone, you know, obviously, mm -hmm. and just kind of the ambient, this game doesn't have a lot of music in it, but I like the sound design a lot. Oh yeah. Uh, and you get into this planet, you have this like low kind of ambient hum and there's just a cold dead star in the middle. It's like kind of beautiful and blue. Oh, that's what those that kind are. Of thing. Okay. Yeah. Th those yeah. are planets that are already, those are systems that have been destroyed. Yeah. Um, like finding those was really neat the first mm -hmm. time. And just like, again, a lot of the short story happening in my brain as a kid, just being like, oh shit, mm -hmm. like, you know, I don't want this. Yeah, I just I thought that was a different kind of star, like a really old one or a really young one um, yeah. that uh, that was just not habitable to life. And so here is just uh, kind of like a cool, spooky, lonely kind of ambient experience. I mean, that, that's it. That is what it is. But it's a direct result of the, the crystal mm -hmm. planet. Yeah, I didn't draw a cause and effect between them. Oh. Um, through talking to people, you start kind of learning uh, what you're going to need to approach this crystal planet. Um, you need a couple things. Uh, one thing to locate the place uh where it's where on the planet you need to go one thing to stop from being vibrated apart <laughs> right and you, go, you need a crystal cone and a crystal orb like, right yeah <laughs> yep I'm, I'm down with orb yep. um so the crystal orb uh, i love this because it's just a case of mistaken identity uh the vel the velox um worship this thing like it is it, it is this primordial egg that they really associate with their species even well, though it is of the ancients and well, that's the thing, right? So like, again, when I make this Dark Souls comparison, mm -hmm. the Vloxy who don't know anything about the ancients, they're not lying. 
They're just wrong. <laughs> right. like, this is a thing that's associated with the ancients. Hey, this looks just like our young. Uh-huh. So they've built up this culture around this lie that they're telling themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, and then the game never just straight up says, like, that's what's going on. Mm-hmm. You just kind of have to be like, oh, that's why they think this. <laughs> you know, it's really neat. Yeah. You know, especially for its time again. Yeah. 30 um, years ago. Um, <laughs> I just, I just <laughs> not quite 30 years ago. Oh, like 1986? Oh, no, I just, I, I thought when you were playing it as opposed to, uh, as opposed oh, to when no. it first came yeah, out. Yeah, I, I, I just yeah. meant in, in, in gaming in general. Yes. Like as a, as a neat kind of a yeah. idea. I also like the idea of just perform like, like pulling a national treasure. Like this is you stealing their shroud of Turin. Yeah, <laughs> it is a profound act of violence. You actually, there's, you're not, you don't, you're not a agent of moral good <laughs> right story. no not at all like you're going like, around and you're you know you're stealing you're, you're stealing cultural like yeah i mean just yeah. even just uh as a uh uh you know matter of course like you go to a planet you strip mine it and then you take all of its wildlife to bring back to the cincinnati zoo yeah we're dead you know probably you know just to, just to sell for pit and you don't even want them and then <laughs> right. uh, you're selling them for parts you're more or less a Tomb Raider. But there's, there's never a point in a Tomb Raider game where, like, Laura's just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, I probably shouldn't be reading At no this point tomb. does she, like, break out a brush and say, like, oh, wow, this is, a, this is a magnificent specimen. Or, like, what can we learn about these people? You know, it is just literally, like, I got the shiny thing. I'm going to go shoot the last living Tyrannosaurus Rex. Like, Laura Craft is a real monster. Yeah. Um, oh, man, that, that would be a good thing to do, uh, like, Tomb Raider Anniversary. Um, just because that series is over 20, 20 years old now. Oh, sure. Yeah. And those are, I like those kind of old games, even though like, I don't know. I never, I never beat any of the old Tomb Raiders yeah. because they get that, obnoxious and the that, failure that, state. Like I want to play them again with uh save states. Yeah. That's, that. that's why, that's why I say anniversary. Let's do the updated I, one. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've never done that one. Is it play? Um, is it still like on a grid or does it play like the 2013? It doesn't play the 2013 one. It's a, it's an interstitial one. Um, it's okay. more, uh, it's more like a Prince of Persia kind of thing. Okay. Yeah, um, I would like like if I were going to play one of those, I would like to have the ability to save anywhere. So yeah. because the, the worst problem with those games, as much as I like them, was like, oh, you miss a jump and then you do a thousand <laughs> years of precision jumps again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, tangent. But uh, yeah. but yeah, like you are, you know, so if you get the when you get this crystal ore, which you have to get, um, they either ask you and they just say, like, OK, well, you have this thing that's precious to us. Please give it back. Otherwise, they open fire. Yes, uh, which you don't want to give it back because you actually literally need it. Uh, the game is making you a monster through your uh, systems. Yep. Um, the crystal cone is uh, was stolen from somebody. I can't remember, but yep. that's deep in, in Ulex space. Right. Um, so you can either fight or run away from a bunch of Ulex, which is difficult, mm-hmm. uh, but you can do it. Um, and a lot of Ulex space is actually in uh, Nebulous as well. Right. So you don't have access to your shield. So this is a good time to either uh, strip. What I did was strip my cargo mines because mm-hmm. i had enough fuel to last i didn't need to do any more mining so i got rid of my armor i got rid of my cargo to have a really good acceleration to run away mm. uh, the other thing you can do is tank up right uh, um, and actually get into fights with these guys yeah um this is something that like i i did the black egg to destroy the ganglia thing mm-hmm. um but like i understand that like it didn't stop the you like from from coming up i just had to again do a uh, do a hit and run um i think that's a that's a bug with genesis version it is actually yeah. in the the pc version you can literally uh stop that planet <laughs> oh, and you right. can actually um the black egg, we just got one of them, or we're going to get one of them. There are three of them in the game. Right. Um, you can use them to blow up uh, anyone's home world, mm-hmm. and it will cause a decline in how many of them you run into. Yep. Um, you know, they have more than one planet. They just have a home world and other planets. But right. if you blow up, you know, the Vloxy home world, you will see less Vloxy, mm-hmm. and you will make a permanent enemy of them. Right. Um, but you can make a permanent friend of the Thrun. <laughs> by blowing up yellow and they'll really like you. I will usually make a courtesy run to go blow up the Thrun for, for my plant bros. Oh, yeah. Um, just and it's it's kind of hard to do because they're tough 
chips, but like I'll do it because fuck the threat. <laughs> um, lie to me, sons of bitches. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, you can go to Ulex Space. It, it, it's like uh, it's it's like the Mist Dragon. It's the the Village of Summoners mm. thing they try to do. They're oh, trying yeah. to get you to carry a bomb to the. I don't want to be used like that. No, no, fuck you, King Baron. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Uh, so you get both of these, um, and uh, eventually, just again by more detective work, you find out where the Crystal Planet is, um, yes. and you can make your approach and kind of land on this. And uh, it's a real cool, like you know, it's it's kind of a unique color palette of the things that you've seen so yeah. far. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's, uh, here you find the, the end result of the, the group, the old empire that tried to do this during the first wave. Mm -hmm. Um, and you get this kind of apocalypse log that tells you what essentially the story of the game, like what you've been doing. Right. Um, I love that. So this is uh, captain McConnell is his name. Um, in order to try and get around the, uh, the defenses of the crystal planet, they actually, um, investigated teleportation. And so like, he is the one guy who was able to get through yes. and kind of land here. Um, so he, he teleports here, um, you know, he's real dizzy. He's kind of abandoned. Um, he's writing this thing in case anybody finds it, you know, trying to get there. Um, he sets the charges and he sees that there's just like endurium everywhere, mm -hmm. which keep in mind, this is the most valuable substance in the universe. <laughs> um, but when he, because he's in close proximity, um, he makes telepathic contact with, with the planet and with the aliens there. Mm -hmm. Um, and, but he's already set the charges. Right. Um, and through this contact, he determines that this is not just a, a mineral. This is a kind of like crystalline, kind of like a silicoid life form that just has such a slow metabolism that they exist in an entirely different kind of like mental framework. Yes. So in, in very classic Star Trek, <laughs> like this is, this is a plot right out of Star Trek where yeah. like, you know, human, this is, we are like essentially like a virus. You know, we've been in, we've been using them, we've been consuming them, and this is their like last ditch effort. Mm -hmm. We're moving super fast, so we're like the super you know nano plague mm -hmm. to these guys. And this yep. this crystal planet they've sent out is just destroy us for using them as fuel, right? Um, which again, uh, kind of a cliche, kind of a trope. Now at thirteen, <laughs> super amazing. Yeah, no, it's uh, great. I just I you know it's uh it's it's awesome that like what we perceive as this inevitable force of nature that you know will lay low entire civilizations kind of on this uh geogra geologic time scale is literally on a geologic time scale because this is a sentient thing that is again operating at a different uh, like on a different plane almost yeah yeah it has no you know has no conception yeah. of uh, of what we do and it does make this the situation where uh you know, there's no real good guy or bad guy. Like, we're obviously wrong for doing this. Mm -hmm. We can't just let them yeah. well, explode well, we all the stars did. in the universe. Yeah, like, <laughs> neither of us has complete information. We didn't know that these things, like, wrote songs and had families. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Know? And the uh, the way that, you know, and it, this could be, you know, explained less deus ex machina -y. You know, there could have mm -hmm. been more hints about this. There are some. Yeah. Um, this could have been done a little bit more elegantly, Yeah, uh, I'll admit. But I think it's a really cool twist oh yeah uh, for it and the you know the big thing is mcconnell the bomb didn't work mm -hmm. you know it, it uh either was shorted or the technology wasn't there or something mm -hmm. like that so that's why uh so it's it stopped it temporarily mm -hmm. you know uh, but endurium was still around and they took this geologic time thing this thousands of years mm -hmm. to i mean it, it worked but it didn't wipe out right right i mean so yeah, it, blew it, just, planet, it just delayed it yeah yeah delayed delayed the planet it's the same planet that you're on now it delayed mm -hmm. it um so you know they destroyed us we were able to rebuild but in the process of rebuilding, we angered them again, 
mm-hmm. who are now trying to destroy us again. Right. So it's a cycle that takes place every couple thousand years of this, mm-hmm. this like really like a really slow war. It's like a play by post <laughs> yeah. uh, server. <laughs> play, play by mail RPG that we're doing mm-hmm. with the ancients. Um, really cool. I think that's a you know super cool story beat. Mm-hmm. Um, it's addressed a little bit in the sequel where they switch from Endurium to like a, a synth. They or people learn how to synthesize it. Right. Um, which is good. Yeah. Uh, but here the choice is just to blow it up or die. <laughs> yep either blow it up or die like mcconnell did yeah you do not want to die suffer like mcconnell did <laughs> suffer like suffer like mcg yep um so you uh you you blow it up um mm-hmm. and you get this little little cutscene. Mm-hmm. um you know the ship docking uh <laughs> they kind of over like a different arrangement of the theme music mm-hmm. um you get a bunch of money and and a congratulations and you can then just explore the galaxy forever if you like right you can strip mine the entire world. <laughs> yep. And you can play it until you get bored. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah there's more. Um, we we kind of did the direct path. Keep in mind that the actual act of playing this, if you're not using a walkthrough, um, is much more uh, investigatory. It's much yeah. more like note takey. It's very me- um, meandery. Yeah. You're going to have ups and downs. Like, you know, you're going to have kind of economic or diplomatic missteps. Go back and repair. Come back and try again. Things like that. So it's a little bit longer. It's still a short game, even if you're playing it legit. Mm-hmm. You know, it's still like less than 10 hours to kind of figure it out, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but we kind of took a direct route. But there's a lot of different ways it could go. And like yeah. I said, there are a lot of different uh, some artifacts we didn't touch on. There are more black eggs. You can go kind of go down these rabbit holes of, you know, if you want to destroy, like not even, you know, mm-hmm. Ulix, you don't want to, you can't really destroy perfectly, but you can go take out the uh, Guzzatoids or Guzzatoids <laughs> uh, if you want to. Things like that. So there yeah. are different ways to kind of play it. Yeah. But, um, and so, as we mentioned, kind of in the run up to this, you know, this game has had, you know, it's created this kind of the shockwave, you know, like just what we're describing when we say you can take this any way you want. It's a it's a sandbox game mm-hmm. um, and it has kind of the content and scope to really kind of bear that out and make it really feel like you are crossing these big distance and doing doing these things at scale. That feels like it's uh, it's there and that, you know, like that, like this first shot kind of created entire genres and informed a lot of stuff that we're seeing, you know, you know, even to this decade in this very year. Right, right. Like this is, I mean, part of the reason why it was a fun and good idea to do this now is that like, because obviously No Man's Sky is the, uh, you know, controversial game du jour, mm-hmm. you know, is, is a big game that everyone is talking about. And like that, this is a direct, direct precedent mm-hmm. to that, you know, like this, that the desire in people who play games and make games to make an explorable universe mm-hmm. was maybe the, this is the first successful attempt at making that. Right. You know? Um, there aren't 18 quintillion planets, you know, but there are like a lot of different planets. Right. And it effectively uh, feels infinite, especially at this, at this, uh, kind of like fidelity almost, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and just, you know, again, really big on, on games, uh, you know, some other games I haven't played too, cause there's like elite dangerous and, mm-hmm. uh, privateer, which I've not played, but you, you mentioned. Yep. Um, yep. uh, mass effect then... has, uh, elements of this as well. Um, yep. specifically with like, uh, in mass effect two with like, uh, mining planets and stuff like that. Yes. Yeah. yeah, which apparently, uh, according to you and to everyone, is improved from the first one. Oh, for sure, planetary, because yeah. that's that's a nightmare. And yeah, no, two, two, two is they they took the right lesson from it. Yeah, which is good. Um, yeah, and yeah. the uh, uh, so and and also again, just I talked about this a lot, and we don't do a lot of just kind of nostalgia wanking on the show, but a lot of the stuff that we're talking about that maybe sounds a little bit trite in its time, either in 1986, you know, you imagine this as a that early in gaming history, or you imagine this, this early in, you know, when it came out mm-hmm. for other people listening to the show, like I played it when I was 13, but if you had played it when you were, you know, 10 or 13, mm-hmm. 
it, it, it has that power to be very formative. Yeah. Again, very similar to, to Shadowrun, which mm-hmm. was a game where you could just kind of do whatever you want. Yeah. And that was uh, really cool. <laughs> you know, it was it was my version of, you know, the ship. I got to name it. I got to outfit it however I wanted. It was like my ship. Yeah. You know, and that kind of value in gaming uh, to me. This is a really early example of getting me into that. Yeah, that kind of like, agency and determination. Yeah, this yeah. is my story. I went and I, I, Gary has this relationship with these aliens because I mm-hmm. did it. Yeah. You know, it's not a cutscene. Like, mm-hmm. it's not like a, a story that's being told to me. I'm being able to go forge my own path. Right. Uh, which is huge. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, 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 it's one of my primary values in playing video games. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is a big example of it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, obviously, you know, both for this and Shadowrun, actually, I had no no experience with them before I b- b- before I kind of dove into them for the show. So I, I kind of lack that lack that context. This has been um, a really good experience, just to again understand the history and understand its place and time. Um, you know, it's it's a little bit so having played Star Control too, it really emphasizes a lot of things that I value in games more than 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 this one does. Um, you know, kind of the humor and writing and just kind of the atmosphere and world kind of stuff. Um, you know, it's, it, it, I feel kind of like I'm going backwards by coming to the, to this, which makes sense because they're separated by, because you not, are, yeah, not, not, not quite a decade. Right. It's kind yeah. of like, you know, playing super Mario three or world and going back and playing super Mario one. Um, yes. they're both, they're both incredibly valid. It's just, you know, when did you hit it? And you know, which one, which one kind of caters to what you, what you like in this more, um, playing this, you know, on Genesis or, you know, on my PSP as the case was, um really kind of like underlined that you know <laughs> it's weird the com- the apparent complexity in pc games i think a lot of times at least on a superficial level comes from the uh the diversity of input you know mm-hmm. like you have an entire keyboard at your disposal and you know just like figuring it out taking the conceptual complexity of this and boiling it down to the the simple input of the genesis you know just up down left right a b c and start like actually does highlight that this this kind of design ethic is portable and it's it, it's amazing how how well it survived to the uh you know like to the genesis and i think the a similar case could be made for like who would have thought that sim city you know, would have survived the transition to SNES. Well, no, like it wasn't kind of dependent on kind of the, the, the form and function of the platform. It was actually just a really, really good idea that happened mm-hmm. to be poised for all these different kinds of expression. Right. Yeah. Well, and, and there's also that, that idea doesn't necessarily scale, right. you know, because there is a level of PC complexity that won't truck right. uh, on, on things like I haven't played it because there's a, a version like a beta that exists out there, but I've always had a morbid curiosity about the PlayStation Baldur's Gate mm-hmm. port, um, which is a game I think would have a really hard time. Yeah. You know, like that would be, and uh, you know, I've talked about the Deus Ex port for PS2, which I actually like, but is definitely yeah. hindered. Yeah. Um, things like that. So it doesn't scale infinitely. No, no, um, but like but there, it does, there's a sweet there, spot for it. Yeah, there, exactly. There's a sweet spot for it. And there's, you know, we talk about this with like Maniac Mansion, adventure games on the NES, things like that, like where uh, you can take those philosophies up to a certain amount of complexity and transition them to a broader audience. And every time that happens, I feel like it's worth saluting mm-hmm. uh, because it doesn't happen very often. Yeah. You know, the same way that I want a national holiday for every Deus Ex like because there's only <laughs> like four of them. Right. Um, I want this kind of thing to be celebrated. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you can do that. I also um, and I, and don't get me wrong. Like I have more nostalgic attachment to mm-hmm. to Starflight, but I think Star Control Two is a much better game. Oh no, I just it I, emphasizes I stuff I care about more too. Yeah, so yeah. that that dialogue, that adventure elements, the different uh, the kind of storytelling, the humor, mm-hmm. um, that is those are my values too. Yep. 
Yeah, and um, I, I was I didn't read that into into which is sad either. Um, the other kind of uh thing that this does though, it's not like a straight upgrade where like one just invalidates the other. Oh no. Um, because this does have a different feel than that. Like this yeah. is uh much like lonelier. You know, it's much lonelier. It feels like a more empty, hostile place. So you Mm -hmm. get that feeling of exploration. Like you can go a long time in this game without talking to somebody. Mm -hmm. Um, You can you can spend a lot of time just just by yourself kind of doing Mm -hmm. this. It's a grind, but this kind of meditative mining cycle thing that is is kind of, uh, you know, it's it's kind of uh, kind of lonely and and good, you know, Um, and it's its own thing. Yeah, you know it's it's, it, it's a unique thing. It reminds me a little bit of like out of another world or Super Metroid, other games I played at this time that were very mm-hmm. lonely. Yeah. No, I mean, and this is you know eminently available. Like you know the the the, the experience that we described on the Genesis version. If somebody you know doesn't feel like firing at an emulator, which is always an option, they can go on GOG and get pretty much the same thing that we just described, mm-hmm. and probably a little bit more functional. Like, yeah, I would you know I wouldn't hesitate to say give this a shot. Yeah, um, yeah, I think yeah. so too. I mean, the Genesis version has the AV stuff, like it has the music and has the uh, the graphics that are that are better. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little bit easier to control, but the PC version plays fine, and I think it usually comes in a bundle with the second game, mm-hmm. which is worth playing. Yeah, like Starflight Two is more complicated, and I think differentiates itself a little bit more from Star Control mm-hmm. uh, by because Star Control there's an element of trading, like you'd run into the Druge, and there was there's some stuff with that. Yeah, but yeah. Star Control Two is not a trading game no no uh-huh. i'm just like uh, like th- this is definitely more systems heavy and i'm curious about you know starflight 2 like you said time being what it is um i don't know that i'm going to be able to do it but i'm you know just curious about looking at kind of that as kind of an antecedent of the even more systems heavy stuff that yeah. came afterwards like I-, I think that there's probably a more direct line from uh from starflight 2 to the stuff that we've kind of said is uh informed by this yeah yeah agreed um yeah, I'm glad. Thanks for taking the chance yeah. on this. Um, yeah, I'm glad that we got to kind of canonize it for the show. Yeah, um, you know, is a, a eventually, you know, we'll we'll get all of our favorites <laughs> on here one way or another. Yep. Um, yeah, so on uh, from that to another game created by Greg, <laughs> uh, Toe Jam and Earl. Yes, Side B. Toe Jam and Earl is a roguelike action game uh, developed by Johnson Vorsanger Productions um, and published by uh, Sega for the Genesis in 1991. Yes. Um, so we know that uh, roguelikes are a term that has become so diffuse as to almost have no meaning. Um, it is a really muddy genre. Um, but this game, you know, is stated influenced by Rogue from from Greg Johnson mm-hmm. um, and also has a lot of direct comparisons. So roguelike is, is one of those things that gets thrown around a lot. And we're saying <laughs> it is, is useful here. Um, so Greg, now, I don't like to call myself a roguelike, but I don't want to call myself a big city roguelike. <laughs> but nah, I'm not a big city roguelike, but I do have permadeath, and I know a thing or two about random items. And now I forgot to wear my suspenders today, but imagine that I'm stretching them as I'm saying. <laughs> I'll stick my thumbs out and point them at each other. If you put them together, you see a hot dog. Um, now, I'm going to ask you, Mr. Toe Jam, would any Funkatronian actually use instant funk, funk grits? Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Yeah. So this is, uh, he said uh, he wanted to adapt Rogue to be a little bit more friendly and action-oriented uh, with sci-fi elements, similar to what Starflight did, mm-hmm. uh, and made an unplayable mess. Come on. Be a little bit more kind on Patreon and... Come on. I mean... Let's let's be a little bit more fair than that. I, I, I will be a little bit. I mean, I played it. If I if I did did the the time, I may as well do the crime. Ugh, Jesus. Um, I, I I find this game not like doesn't isn't playable. But we'll we'll get to. Hmm. I mean, I played it. Okay, it's nice. playable. But I it's, <laughs> if I hadn't had save states, I would have quit uh, dozens and dozens of times. Hmm. Okay, like literally dozens of times. I think this this is a a lot of bad design decisions gotten into a car and decided to crash into a wall. Mm. Okay, um, some good design decisions. Tons of great flavor. Flavor will go a long way. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. And the, yeah. the flavor comes a lot from the, the principal characters here. Oh, true. true. There, there we go. Just uh, headline yeah. it let's with like, the back into, yeah, let's From the end of the show. Let's time warp back. <laughs> yep, let's do that. I guess, I'll, I guess I'll save my opinion for the end of this. Like, yes. like, a, like a fucking civilized human being. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a civilized being, now, but I now, do I'm, think that Toe Jam and Earl is... I'm not, I'm not one of these podcast hosts that, uh, that, 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 will, that will say an opinion before he uh, backs it up with the, that without the evidence. Yeah, I'm, the, just, uh, I'm just being a dick, don't worry. Listen, uh, I'm telling you man if, if the lack of invincibility frames fits you must acquit like <laughs> it is uh <laughs> um, so there is a lot of uh, a lot of character um and these two funky aliens from planet funkatron uh who have crash landed on earth and uh these it, two characters it sounds like you said they crash landed yeah. <laughs> like that like <laughs> they just it's like they they, they, they made a very fuck, ass boys <laughs> like a, just, just like a very gentle landing and then just made an abortion joke like yeah, oh, exactly. uh, that would hurt some people's feelings dickory, wouldn't dickory it doc. <laughs> yeah um that's the dice man <laughs> there, 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 there once was a man from nan funkett yeah. <laughs> once took a pussy and fucked it <laughs> is that the end of the limerick that's like very yeah, but there's, there's no joke it's just because they crash landed yeah um they just the cra- the, the crash bandicoot yep there's no um, <laughs> there's no joke i just wanted to talk about fucking a pussy yeah who, who we're cool <laughs> the um <laughs> girls the uh so this game uh takes elements of urban culture um and it's called a kind of a, a, a there's a little bit of anti-consumerist kind of satire parody mm, yeah yeah um, earth in the 90s a little bit of that yeah. um i don't know like it's, I don't know if I would come to the same conclusion you did, but I also don't really buy this as a parody. No, neither do I. This is if if it's a parody, it's not a biting one; it's a gumming one. Yeah, um, it's more like so. I I think this is more akin to like the Blues Brothers. Like if the Blues Brothers is saying anything about anything, it is some inscrutable synthesis between something that Dan Aykroyd values and holds uh, with. Crystal skulls. <laughs> yep. Um, crystal skulls full of mediocre vodka um, and the and the world around him. Like this is this is very much like a Blues Brothers kind of thing to my mind, which is like, hey, isn't this just a bunch of weird stuff kind of put into a different context? Yeah. If it's satire, it's like satire like Zombies Ate My Neighbors is. Yeah, you that's know, a good satire comparison. Satire is yeah. like, what if there's a guy like people sure do like to cook out? Like, I don't, <laughs> it's not really like a thing. Well, fuck um, you with your grill. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so the the soundtrack to this is really remarkable, mm-hmm. um, mostly just because of genre. Like this is uh, this is a funk soundtrack, um, specifically uh, and kind of stated to be inspired by Herbie Hancock uh, and the Headhunters. Um, and you don't hear a lot of like explicit funk music, no, in uh, in video games, and that's and, what this is. And here's something I'll say about uh, the bass sound on a Genesis: the fartiness really works for this. This uh, is a good fart. Yep. Like, <laughs> 
that's a good one yeah it's 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 great i think i think that this like for for some reason the frequencies that are presented here are really really well represented by the fm synthesis yeah 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 um yeah not too not too bad um there is a mode in the menu that is like a sound test where you can actually tap the button to make your guys do little dances (laughs) again uh pretty charming yep um (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, so these characters, uh, Toe Jam is the red one that has three legs. Unfortunately, in the modern Kickstarter, they've turned that third leg into a dick. It's also in the um, in the Xbox, the third game. They make a mm. lot of third leg jokes. Damn. Yeah. Um, and then Earl is kind of this uh, this uh, the, this big chill orange guy with high tops. And he's got some uh, some uh, sunglasses on. Yes. Yeah. And, and they're mechanically identical. Like the reason that it, there are two of them is because this is a two player game. Yeah. They're, they're not mechanically identical. No. Uh, Toe Jam moves faster. Earl, it has more health. Okay. Um, So you're making a choice, and that choice you want to make is to move faster. (laughs) Uh, Because faster, in this case, is so relative as to be... You know, to, like people are in no hurry in this game. There's no, there's no, no uh, this is a very slow game. Right. Um, so in the game, you, you control uh, Toe Jam or Earl or both if you're playing co-op from a top-down perspective. And uh, that's kind of one of my, you know, my problems, um, which yeah. I, I will, I will present my evidence for problems with this. And I'm mm-hmm. not, I'm not saying this to be violent to you. I feel mm-hmm. kind of bad to be like, this is the game that Cole brought and I'm going to shit on it. Cole was very <laughs> nice and diplomatic about the game I brought. Like, I, I, <laughs> not trying to be that. I get, recognize this as important in its time. Right. You. I just I think that like if if Starflight commits a crime, it's kind of boring. Mm-hmm. Um, if this commits a crime, it became very frustrating to me. Yeah, and um, I, I I agree with that. And so when I when I brought this up, it was it was I'm, I'm going to defer to deflect blame here. Uh, it's because it came up in chat actually, um, just mm-hmm. as like oh that was a that was a weird game, and I've been intending to go back to it because this is a franchise that I have a lot of affection for um, from mm-hmm. from small times, right? Um, mm-hmm. Like grade school um, times, um, and in my mind. This was a much faster game. Me too. Like I played this when I was young too. Like this is this is not something that I have I have no history to. This wasn't right. like I just played this for the first time in 2016 and I'm like, oh man, you can't. Yep. can't like this, this 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 was a marquee rental. Like I I would do this. I would do this a lot when I was young. Yeah. <clears throat> and yeah, I I played it as also with I played it with that cousin. Mm-hmm. Um enjoyed it when I was young. Yeah. As well. Um and it it was faster or I just didn't care as right. much. And it's not just, this isn't just me being impatient. This isn't the same speed thing I was talking about in the last segment where I was talking about like getting to planets in real time. No, this is relative. Like it's, your it's speed relative, relative to stuff. important. Like it is in a game where a lot of the time your reaction to hazards is going to be avoiding them. Mm-hmm. They make that really difficult. <laughs> and part of that is the fact that you can only outrun enemies for the first couple layers. Mm-hmm. Um, once they start introducing faster enemies, like you're just kind of fucked. Right. Like, and there's just a lot of times of just getting fucked. Yeah. Um, th- some of this is ameliorated by playing it to co-op, co-op mm-hmm. because since you're looking for these kind of certain goals uh, in the level, um, it is useful to have to split that up. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the enemies don't scale. It's not harder when it's co-op. Right. You just have more hands looking for these random kind of things. Mm-hmm. So yeah, playing with two players is more a matter of covering as much ground as possible. It doesn't it doesn't actually make individual encounters um, that much easier. You know, just no. uh, like manpower doesn't work that way. And it's important to cover as much ground as possible because these are randomly generated levels. And as you kind of separate, it does this kind of cool thing where when you're close to each other and you can fit on one screen, it's one screen. But as you're apart, it does a split screen kind of thing as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and when we say uh, splitting up, because it's the the primary mechanic of this is a scavenger hunt. Right, you're just trying to reach places on a map, explore these these randomly generated maps. Mm-hmm. Um, each uh, so you're trying to find ten missing parts to your spaceship, uh, so you can return home. 
Um, you can choose when you start to either do a randomized set of levels or mm-hmm. a prearranged set yeah. of levels. Um, and the kind of balance there is you can do the randomized one, which is balanced a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. Um, or you can do the preset one, which like is a little bit tif- more difficult, but like it's walkthroughable. Yeah, it's, it's le- learnable. Yeah. Yes, or yeah, or walk through or learnable. Like you can keep doing it at the same time and and learn where the threats are. Mm-hmm. As a, as opposed to with randomization, where there's it's it's balanced easier, but there's kind of more of a chance that the different elements colliding will fuck you. Yeah, um, or you just run into something you don't you've never seen before, or don't know mm-hmm. how to deal with. Right, right. Or you just don't have the the tools to deal with it because mm-hmm. it's not. Um, you don't come out of the box with a useful verb set. No, no, you can pretty much just uh, they really in embrace, you know, as opposed to like rogue where you can attack, mm-hmm. uh, you know, things like you don't have a standard attack. You don't have a standard anything. You have to get items for these things other than sneaking. Yeah. Um, each round, whether it's uh, static or random, um, is kind of made up of these 25 different levels. Um, and <laughs> apparently Earth has been has been kind of like hit with some kind of weird ray where it's been stratified. Um, so, yeah, it's real weird. Yeah, <laughs> I don't it's, know. It's, that's that's one of those things where if it's supposed to be a parody of Earth, like I don't, I kind of get this in a vacuum, but mm-hmm. that layer, that's at no point does this feel like Earth. You know, yeah, it, it just kind of it makes it kind of a weird choice to me. Mm-hmm. Like it just feels like a, a like a random video game level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to me. And if they so call if, if they called it anything else, then it would have been fine. Yeah, or or lean into it, make it Earth, and then you could actually do some of that kind of parody satire mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. So the uh, so Johnson uh, when he was kind of selling this this world uh, this randomization idea to Sega um, he did it by drawing these little bits of landscape on cards and then rearranging them yeah to show how this would work kind of mechanically yep I always love any of those stories about physical prototyping for yeah. for an electronic thing that's always that's always great um, yeah um, so the flow of each level you know about which I mean like level in this set of twenty five it, it kind of follows this. So you spawn in this random place and the game tells you whether or not there's a spaceship part there. Um, and yes. that kind of changes what you're going to be looking for. If it's there, you have to kind of explore and find it. Yes. Um, and if you, if it's not, you either are just trying to find the elevator to the next floor or you want to explore the level to get items. Right. Um, the, that balance I think is not done very well right. um, to where if there was not a ship part here, I would lose more for exploring to get items than I would gain. Yeah, I mean, mo- uh, movement is not a free resource in this. Yes, exactly. Like, the the enemies are too hostile, the planets are too hostile to where it was just a beeline for the most direct route to try yeah. to find the elevator to get out of here. Mm-hmm. You know, that was that was my goal for everything. Yeah. I, um, which is a weird thing because it's in contrast to this kind of chill vibe <laughs> the game has. Like, the theming and, and the actual gameplay of this game don't match at all. Right. Um, <clears throat> the, the, the hostility and how lethal this game is uh, do not work with how it wants to present itself as just kind of this cool chill game. Yeah. And it's not a cool chill game. What's what's funny is I think the theming matches so much better in the second one. <laughs> oh, no, it totally does. Yeah. It totally does. The second one has that when we were talking about again, the, the second one I think is boring. Mm-hmm. It's not frustrating. I think it's boring. Um but it's it's the theming does match a lot better. Yeah. Um so you on the the map you have uh, different parts of terrain mm-hmm. that will either speed you up or slow you down. Um, sand, uh, kind of goo, this water that you'll like sink in this quicksand. <laughs> I, I um, literal Eventually like above level 10, everything is sand. I, boy. <laughs> and, and then roads, which speed you up. But like, again, everything is relative. Like you, <laughs> unless you are moving too fast to control, you will never move <laughs> fast in this game. Right. Um, it is just, if you like a sense of kinesthetics, mm-hmm. this is not for you. Yeah. Like, like you this, not, yeah. I don't understand why this isn't tile based actually. 
like that. Yeah. Like, I think that would solve so many of the problems. Like it yeah. gets rid of a little bit of the action, but man, that would, that would make a lot of this kind of like kinesthetic, you know, mm -hmm. uh, inadequacy feel, feel better. Like it would be easier to accept. Or even just like go straight up rogue and make it like turn base, mm -hmm. you know, because then it's not relying on my, my lack of, uh, defensive vocabulary to, to get away from these threats. You know, like I can't do anything about it, but if it just moved when I moved, I can mm -hmm. plan my actions. Yeah, you could. That's not what's happening. You could observe there. their movements. Yeah, exactly. And they don't, it's not like they have complicated AIs or anything. They mostly mm -hmm. just make a beeline for you. Yeah. It, is, it feels um, like this weird concession to the times that actually, that actually hurts the core of the idea that's here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the most frustrating features of this uh, <laughs> is that, um, you know, so you take your elevators to go up. If you fall off of a level, you go back down and you just lose progress. Right. So you don't die. Sometimes that can be worse than dying um, <laughs> because you can fall down multiple levels. Right. Uh, these actually exist. So you can literally have to redo two, three, four levels. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, I mean, like redo in terms of like navigate from wherever you start to where the uh, the elevator is. You don't have to do the hunt again. Yeah, that's you just, true. You just have to you just have to make it there. However, whatever hazards were between your starting point and the the elevator are still there. You just yeah, you know. Yeah. And they, they continuously spawn. Mm -hmm. it's, it's not like a rogue thing where you can clear out a level. Um, yeah. As far as I know, like I went down, I thought that I killed the, you know, whatever specific monster was in the swamp. Yeah. would go back down and there'd be another one. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know if it's a timer or what that works on. But yeah, I, I didn't kill enough stuff to actually get a to get to get a sense for that. Yeah. Combat yeah. Uh, in this game is not very good, um, which we'll talk about in the next section. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that there's no uh, stagger um, for enemies. The, um, so you can fall down and you can do that uh, on accident because of the way the items work. So right. the consequences to the random items in this are very dire if they're bad. And you can very easily get a thing that makes you speed off a cliff, you know, yeah. without really knowing it mm -hmm. um, and losing that progress without yep. knowing it. You know, it's that ran, it's that rogue sense, but everything is dialed up too far. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's like it's it. I don't think it works. I can see um, it being funny if you're playing with somebody, but I could also see it being pretty frustrating if you're both just like trying to succeed at this. Right. Um, the, uh, I haven't, uh, played this co-op since I was young. What mm -hmm. happens if one person falls off a ledge and the other one doesn't split screen, split screen even. So you can be on different strata. Yeah. yeah. And there, okay. there are presents you can use that will either. So there's one that it's like a, like bounce back up. Um, if you're in single player was just like, if you fall, you can deploy it and then just broop, go back up where you were. Um, and then if you're playing two player, um, whichever, whichever person is lower, will just warp back to, um, the higher person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, f f falling is, is, is really a problem. Nobody, nobody likes, uh, repeating that. And it's a little bit of like a, it, it feels incredibly intentional, doesn't it? Like mm -hmm. they could have designed the world in a way that wasn't like this, <laughs> you know, to where, to, to where that was possible. And so it actually becomes a little bit more of a hazard at the higher levels because, um, you know, higher up, you end up, uh, kind of being required to kind of like cross these gaps using some of the items. Yes, the randomization can actually make it so you have to have a certain item to get across the gaps. Many of those are a little bit fiddly, mm -hmm. um, you know, so you maybe not only will you not get them, but even getting them to work uh, correctly is not, you know, is not uh, uh, consistent. Yeah. And so as you're presented with this with this opening kind of menu saying, hey, do you want the the random one or the static one? You know, it can be it can be hard to tell. Like I would probably be drawn to the static one. However, like the designed experience doesn't feel 
doesn't feel noticeably more designed. It's, it's, it's a chalice dungeon. Yep. It's they they did random things and they just did save as. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's it's not more designed. It's not uh, more intentional. There is a floor where you have to have an item that you maybe won't have. Yeah. It's really sloppy. Yeah. Um, the static one, and it's it, in the way that it exactly recalls chalice dungeons to me, <laughs> or the chalice um, dungeons exactly recall this. Yeah, so I guess I guess that's true. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, to Gem and Earl, there's not. You will get into combat. It's not a violent game no. um, because you don't have very many ways to attack, which, again, like fits the vibe, mm-hmm. doesn't fit. How <laughs> it, they, it fits the, the vibe, but not the, but not the actual like circumstances that you're up against. Yeah, not not the play at all, because like getting rid of some of these threats, um, even just having the means to do it unaffectively, mm-hmm. you know, you, you even your, your means of doing it are pretty bad. But even just having those consistently would make a big difference. Mm-hmm. You know, um, that's not the case. Instead, you, your default action is to sneak, um, which allows you to, if an enemy is not aggroed to you, allow you to sneak past yeah, uh, it, encounters. It reduces their their aggro radius. Yes. Which, again, kind of cool and innovative. But one, um, I don't need anything that makes me move slower in this game. <laughs> right. Like, that is so tedious. Uh, two, especially later on, they introduce a lot of enemies that are not sneakable. Right. You know, an ice cream truck flies off the screen from, you know, flies at you from off screen. You're not going <laughs> to sneak past it. It's like the and Jeeps from Akewood. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, there you are. Oh, exactly. You, you, you said exactly. Exactly like that. I don't actually. I, yeah, I've seen yeah. I've seen reference to it because um, yeah. I, I read Akewoods when they pop up in the Something Awful webcomic mm, okay. uh, thread. Yeah. I've never done gone back and done the like dive because it's long. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not. Yeah, putting on blast for that. It's just it was just funny the way you reacted to that. Yeah, it's just yeah. the. Uh, well, yeah, I've seen reference to them. Okay, the, cool. um, I've seen something uh, either in the, a message board or something like that. It sounds mm-hmm. familiar to me. Yeah, it's pinging a uh, a bell. Yeah, um, unless you're like purposely Oprah Oprah memoring me. No, no, and there I'm are no cheats. No, no, you can just say whatever you want about Aquid. You probably like, just <laughs> trick me if you want to be. Aquid. Yeah, yeah, the, the, like this. Like Aquid mentions. <laughs> so you for not like Tony Amaro. No, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's just it's like the, the Falcons in Dark, Dark Tower. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> These aren't no Falcons. No, they're hawks, you shit. dumb shit. His name is David, and he, he, he's everything. Look, you he, fat fuck. You <laughs> <laughs> don't know what you're doing. <laughs> That's totally not what I'm doing. Okay. <laughs> it's pretty Yes, there there are there are Jeeps in, in Aquid. There are Hawks in Dark Tower. I like things that maybe you don't like. It's cool. Oh, no, it's, it's all right. I didn't think you were testing me. It was yeah. all it was all a gag. Oh yeah. It was all a bit. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Um, <laughs> Most of the antagonism here, it's played up for laughs. <laughs> but but yeah, regardless of the Jeeps or the or the ice cream trucks, yeah, like just eventually eventually that verb just kind of fades into the background and you're and you're left with kind of the the, the, the systems that they that they really do play up, um, especially visually. Yes. Yeah. Um you have a health bar that can be recovered with food. Um you can keep kind of playing. There's not permadeath like a like a roguelike. No. Um, but you do have a finite number of lives. It's not like your first life is your only life, but effectively it kind of is because, you know, if you just triple your life bar, that's essentially what's happening right. um, here. And the game uh, is real hard. So you're going to die a lot. Right. It's designed to be, it's got that console kind of like, oh, you don't, we don't want kids to beat this on a rental. No, no. You know, kind of feeling to it. Um, and I never did. <laughs> no, no. This is the first time I beat this for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was, uh, boy, uh, like illegal, like uses of immoral uses of safe states. Like <laughs> we'll, there's, we'll there's get like levels of safe states, right? Like there's like there's the safe state where like the game should have had this. Uh-huh. The game should save every level, right? Uh, I don't feel bad about that. And then there's like CRPG safe states where it's like I'm not gonna, I'm going to save before a big encounter, 
just for expediency and because I'm playing on a deadline, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm going to get what the encounter is about. I just don't want to, you know, walk back through the Tower of Fiends from mm-hmm. the save point. And then there's the uh, the Metroid Fusion save state for those bosses <laughs> where it's like, if I hit the boss, save. If yep. I don't, don't save. Mm-hmm. And just follow that metric until the boss is dead. Yeah. This is like that for, I would say, the last 10 levels mm-hmm. of just like, oh, I need to save really, really consistently because I never know when something's going to come off screen and just fuck me. Right. And I just don't want to do it over again. Like, I just, mm-hmm. it's not, I'm not having fun getting here. Like, the idea yeah. of starting doing four floors over again or starting from the beginning is just like real, real rough. Yeah. I, you know, so, I, I, don't, I don't think that anybody's going to, you know, if anybody's operating under the illusion that we're not using safe states on the games that we play for the show, I, you know, I, I don't know what to do for you. Like, we're going to do what we have to, given... <laughs> given the uh the the technology that's available to us when it when it feels notable to say like oh this is a point where i had to lean on this as kind of a crutch that explicitly was outside of the design of the game mm-hmm. that is a problem yeah yeah i i'm i will always disclose like when save states are on the table yeah you know yeah. and it's like you can uh there are games mm-hmm. that benefit from having that difficulty but it is an illusion to think that all games especially old games all benefit from having that lack of friendliness right so that's that's either arcade holdovers from trying to get your quarters or old console holdovers from not letting you beat a game a 60 dollar game in one weekend mm-hmm. getting around those things is good not bad right um yeah uh, if you're playing co-op and you need to uh, exchange some health and kind of balance, you can do it by doing a high five. <laughs> Very cute. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so beyond those high fives and just everything, um, you have these different verbs that you get by getting these presents. Um, and this is a real rogue kind of thing. Because... Well, before, before you go into that real quick, oh, uh, you do level up in this. Yes, you do. And, sure. and it's uh, just I just don't want to skip that line because <laughs> you just have a continuous little like scroll bar at the bottom that every once in a while will just be like, Toe Jam is a peanut. And I'm just like, okay. <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> like they, they end up making this really kind of great nonsense poetry. Mm-hmm. Uh, but those are your ranks. Um, um, so as you, you get further along, you'll rank up. Let's see here. I'm going to go on Urban Dictionary. Oh, and see what a peanut is. It's yeah. going to be some guy that the Urban Dictionary yeah. guy didn't like. Um, okay, I uh, said, <laughs> "Yep, exactly." Uh, yeah. Oh man, there actually is an Urban Dictionary entry for coal, by the way, which oh. is funny. Uh, well, coal. I'm, I'm my, sorry my, that you found that. I was my... hoping that you would never look. Are you sub? Are, are you are you sub Urban Dictionary? <laughs> me sub dictin you. Peanut. That's a like, so. So the, the the first one is a cute person uses a nickname, and I'll, I'll call somebody Peanut. That's fine. Yeah, um, I, I will, I'll call Roars Peanut sometimes too, or Nugget. Yeah. <laughs> pumpkin. Pumpkin is pretty yeah. good too. Yeah. Um, no, there's nothing here that looks like it would fit in at all in the Toe Jam and Earl universe. That thanks, is Greg. that is <laughs> what I said. Thanks, Greg. Like, get on it. <laughs> Yeah, I just I I don't understand if if anybody knows like if anybody's more plugged into early '90s kind of patois, please let me know. Otherwise, mm-hmm. I, I got nothing. Yeah, <laughs> but it, it is it is a, a functional thing that ends up just kind of being a fun little bit of flavor. Yeah, yeah. Like as you level up, you get a, like a like a higher max health, and uh, yes. each level up also gives you a uh, an additional life as well. Yes, and you get this by opening presents and by kind of like doing stuff that the game is asking you to do. 
Yes, by playing the game, you'll level up kind of naturally. Yeah, yeah. Um, so let's, let's talk about presents. Yeah, these presents. So it's kind of like, a, you know, like you have an un- unidentified sword. Is this going to be poison? Is this going to be cursed? Is this going to be so-and-so? Um, the possibility space is less kind of procedural than that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're just kind of this, uh, like a like a limited a limited scope of what any of these can be. However, um, it's, uh, it is a little bit systematized in that if you pick up a square blue present, every square blue present is going to be that particular thing for that game, for that like game. It's not, yes. not universally across Hodium and Earl, but right. it's closer to rather than sword, the more, uh, apt comparison for rogue would be to scrolls. Yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, which, uh, it's notable that there isn't a sword, like mm-hmm. there isn't a permanent upgrade you can get. Mm-hmm. Everything is a temporary bump, uh, that are that function like that. Um, good and bad. That's all fine. Yep. Um, they're not tuned very well, but like, it's fine that there are good and bad ones because there have to be. Yeah. Um, they're, they're like, they're not tuned because they're incredibly outsized. A lot. They're of them. really outsized. Yeah. The, a lot of the good ones are not good enough. The bad ones, some of the, I mean, there's one that just kills you. <laughs> there we go. I love that. Can, we're like, we're going to get to it. We're going to get yeah. to what that one's called. And I, I think yeah. we're going to, we're going to get at least like 45 seconds on that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So you have a limited number of slots as well. Uh, so you're dropping once you you're encouraged to actually use your presence. Mm-hmm. You don't want to hoard them. You don't have a good enough verb set without using them, but you want to experiment. <laughs> right. yep. The first few floors of this are spent figuring out what presents do, essentially. And then once you know, you can drop bad, shitty presents uh, and pick up more important ones. Right. Um, this is somewhere where I wish it had a little bit. Uh, it's the console or interface. Yeah, yeah. kind of gets in the way. It's a little bit tedious, but it's not too bad yeah. to do this. Um, you also get money. Mm-hmm. Um, money can be used in a couple of different places, uh, specifically shops, which are uh, mailboxes that operate as mail order mm-hmm. um, to get presents and a couple of other places we'll talk about when we talk about helpful humans. Right. So let's talk about some of these presents. Gary, I presented these as a list in the notes, but like we can talk about the ones that feel kind of like most useful and then trickle down on them. Yeah, this is I mean, this is a good way to, to do this, because yeah. specifically saying like on floor 14 in the upper <laughs> left, you find like that. Yeah, yeah not, that's not that's, that's not going to happen. Yeah. So uh, spring shoes uh, give you a chargeable jump, mm-hmm. um, which can be useful for traversing uh, pits. Yep, and very short kinda, ones, though. <laughs> very short pits. You also have a huge recovery time when you land. Yes. So your jump actually is a little bit faster than your movement speed. So you might think this is something you can do to get away from enemies. But when you land, you are planted. Yes. And most enemies are going to move fast enough to cover that distance in the time that you're that, that you're stunned. Absolutely. So yeah. this is uh, not useful other than clearing some gaps right um the most useful thing you can get in the game is the icarus wings Mm -hmm. um because you can make a beeline to something if you know it's there and you can traverse huge parts of the level it just lets you fly yeah there's one air enemy but they don't show up very often no Uh, no yeah and even Um, then like the way to kill those things you just have to be icarus wings and then run into them Yes. Like the only downside of the Icarus wing is it's kind of limited in the time that you can use it. Um, And also you have to be standing still when you uh, when you fire it off. So like you have to have just like a little bit of time on the start. But once you're up, you're pretty much invulnerable. Yeah. And I I would not have made it through the game without them. Right. Um, This is this is the thing that allowed me to skip large portions of levels, which I needed to do when it all became an endless swamp. (laughs) Yep. Full of those swamp monsters. Yep. Um, the, uh, the tomatoes in the slingshot are your kind of like, uh, projectiles that you can get. Mm-hmm. Like, this is the only like direct attack verb that you can get, um, where you're not relying on somebody like running into a thing that you drop. Yes. And early on, this can be useful because you're dealing with very slow enemies. Um, later on when you're dealing with fast enemies, uh, enemies are not stunned when they're hit. 
Mm -hmm. So you can just kind of pound, you know, you have this very slow, it reminds me a lot of like, a lot of the things I hate about this game are things we bring up in Abject Suffering a lot. Yeah. Where like, it's very lovingly animated and it has that kind of like character to it. So when you throw one of these things, you have, you know, the frames are there. It kind of looks cool. Yeah, there's a lot of anticipation to it. Yeah. Yeah. But it's so slow that when something is not stunned when it's hit, it just rushes you. Mm-hmm. down you know and still just ends up hitting you mm-hmm. like having one of these things is not a good way to avoid damage yeah also like your your orientation isn't set when you move so you oh, have yeah. to be you have to be pushing in a direction when you uh when you press the button to uh yes. to kind of fire one of these one of these off which is a little bit of a bummer if you're like trying to not move directly towards the thing that's going to hurt you and kill you when you're trying to kill it yes yeah um rocket skates uh make you take off in one direction really fast <laughs> rocket skates um, aka press a button to go down a level yes exactly <laughs> like these are very hard to use um you can change direction um but you have to be really very quick and you can actually jump with these um the like the correlation between holding down the button to jump and how far you jump mm-hmm. uh doesn't feel very good like I, a couple times i had to try to use these to clear a pit yeah because i didn't you had. have icarus wings and it's hard yeah. like i would save state and try it a bunch of times to get that that amount right mm-hmm I'm yeah, very like, difficult to control yeah it's it's really really hard to tune into what it's uh kind of expecting of you yeah yeah um, one of the only items you start out with um is the super high tops oh man the super uh, high tops are great because you can hold down a button to move faster they're really useful <laughs> like it's the only way you can outrun things yep. um these should have lasted twice as long as they do mm-hmm. um and been much more common because yep. they make large portions of the game doable right you know, uh, avoiding some of these enemies is only really possible when you have super high tops. And it ended up between these and the Icarus Wings, that was my impetus to look for presence mm-hmm. in the second half of the game and not just try to get out as soon as I possibly could. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, Inner Tube yeah. is a little bit of a limp upgrade. Like, it lets you cross bodies of water without uh, kind of getting this oxygen meter uh, to go along. Um, <laughs> however, like, there are only certain levels where, like, water is a uh, is a prominent biome in them and uh like usually when you're up beyond like level five you would get end up getting sharks who can move faster than you even when you're in the inner, inner tube so yes. like it is just like a very situational kind of thing where you're like gonna cut across a small slice of this body of water it should have like the inner tube definitely should have made you immune to sharks yep like it doesn't make sense you know like realistically because the very realistic. <laughs> um, but at the very least, you should have done that because you have one water upgrade. Mm-hmm. Like, make it make it pretty useful. Yeah. You know, that would, that would have been a good idea. Like, instead, you know... It just ends up being a waste of space. Yeah, like a waste of space and just kind of, like, have to get into the inventory and use it. Um, ends up being pretty frustrating to use yeah. and not super useful. Again, if you... you it's not a bad tool. No, Like, no. you could uh, design a game in which the way that this energy works would be a good thing yeah right it's this is a, entirely a problem of level design yeah and it's it's a benefit of hindsight more yeah. more than anything it's like oh just like if you had looked at and tested the way these things interact you could you probably could have like nudged one or two things like i never encountered enough times where like the sliders were in the right place like say like, oh like it's optimized for this specific situation and i should avoid these other ones for yeah. me to feel like it was like it like there there was a lot of intentionality behind the way that they were implemented. Yeah. Uh rose bushes allow you to drop little uh spikes, little locale traps behind you. Yeah. Um little rose bushes. If you stand still, you'll actually get hurt by them. Mm-hmm. So you have to use them while moving. 
Um, these can be very useful because you're getting chased a lot. Yep, I like these so, a lot. Yeah, this is not a bad uh, weapon. And it's kind of novel. Like, mm-hmm. this is a novel kind of power weapon. <laughs> so, I, I, whenever, you know, I was always happy to see these. Yeah. Uh, Boombox, kind of a similar thing where you're dropping traps for uh, for enemies to stop pursuit. Uh, when you drop one of these, it makes enemies nearby dance to them, which, again, this is an alignment of uh, theme and play. Yeah. Yeah. This I found very rare. Like, I didn't mm-hmm. find very many Boomboxes. I don't know if Neither it's actually I. weighted that way or if it was just my luck. Yeah. Um, but it was. To my mind, a little bit frustrating. Um, just that I wanted more of them because my offensive options were very few. Mm-hmm. Uh, the doorway is like a panic button. Um, yep. It warps you to a random spot on the map. Um, mm-hmm. I use this a lot as well. Yeah, uh, it's it's a weird little like parallel between these two things. Like it's like the crystal, uh, the oh, crystal yeah. orb, or the panic button in asteroids. Yeah, and, and it would be, um, but it is truly random. Like the, it is. I definitely would get zapped out of danger and be somewhere not very far. Right. From that, like I, I would go, you know, thirty feet to the left and still yeah. have the same enemies on the screen. <laughs> it's like there wasn't a there wasn't a fence up for it. Like, yeah, okay, we're gonna put you over here. Uh, one of the one times that I used this because this is a it's a relatively rare item. It put me onto a onto an island that I had no way to get off of. Yeah, <laughs> bummer. And and some of this chaos, like some people are probably hearing me, you know, hearing us describe it and being like, oh, that sounds cool. That it can kind of like do. Oh that. yeah, yeah. I just, I mean, and so it, it it functionally though. I mean, you just kind of have to take my word for it. It doesn't end up feeling very cool. No, uh, no. something a combination of like the the movement speed and how hard it is to actually make progress in this game makes some of these drawbacks. And we'll talk about this with the bad presence mm-hmm. uh, feel worse than they would be in a game where like you kind of take that like you're playing the Binding of Isaac. Mm-hmm. You take a pill and it's uh, a health down mm-hmm. like that sucks. But you have three health. You know, it's a bummer. Yeah. You know, it doesn't feel like the way you get pat, and you're going to keep going. You're going to get that back. You know, it's just going to happen. You can't keep playing. It doesn't actually impact your your progress. It just impacts your verb set. There, there's and, a there's a little bit of a frequency problem too. Like it's either a function of your move speed or just the amount of presence that you have or the amount of food drops that are there. Like if there was more food, it would be easier to accept. Um, just kind of these these randomized elements that made it inevitable that you would take damage. Yeah. 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 And in general, like, you know, games where there is a, you're going to take damage, you know, you can do that. Um, you can make, you know, games where damage is inevitable. Um, that's all like almost all modern shooters with hit scan and stuff like that. And there's a lot of attention paid to systems to get around that. You know, like we, we, there are skill-based systems where you can skillfully avoid damage. That's Mm -hmm. what you're trying to do projectiles and it's it's dodge rolls and stuff like that and there are games where it's like you're just going to take the damage the way they usually do that is through density of health pickups mm-hmm. um and this game doesn't really do that food no. can be depending on the roll of the dice food can be very rare and food can either be it, very rare or hurtful yeah like it, it mm-hmm. literally can be bad for you and that's pretty frustrating you know when the again this the dice just fuck you mm-hmm. you know it ends up being something where it's like playing shoots and ladders almost mm-hmm you know, as opposed to playing a game of skill. Um, and again, like, it's not like all games are like that. Like I've, I've played 1000 hours of the binding of Isaac. Yeah. yeah I has, just, anybody you know, who knows you is not going to, is not going to yeah. accuse you of saying the random generation is bad. Exactly. It, it is. <laughs> I love a random verb set. Like it's very important, but they're not random, random. It's like, it's, it's within a, a parameters that make for fun play. Right. You know, this feels more like a, it concessions <laughs> to true randomness and that's why you get those like islands you have to get to that with I- items to get there. Mm-hmm. That's why you get things like, you know, oh, like on this roll I just happen to get like all shitty food for the first couple floors. Mm-hmm. 
fuck me you know like <laughs> like that happens you know yeah. with... but 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 if it's the if it's the first couple of floors then like you just restart and re-roll like yeah, I mean, that's, that's one true. of the great things about isaac you know I mean, it's, it's, even, like... it's even worse though if it's like in the last like couple floors where it's oh, like shit, i have this yeah. sunk cost where i'm I, <laughs> I play this for for an hour and a half and now like i can't win <laughs> yeah. because of just this like bad roll of the dice yeah yeah and just uh, you know who knows what they knew about like what would be a good experience like what it feels like to me and this is this is more of a more of an ends summary kind of thing so forgive me for jumping to the end in the middle of the episode or or, toward toward the beginning yeah um (laughs) no it's like i don't know like it it just they they probably were afraid to constrain it after they had pitched or had committed to this idea of randomness right because like the idea of randomness is there and it's cool and it like can help a lot of experiences, but like, you know, the amount of constraint that you put on that is actually something that you have to, that you have to really like just kind of ride the faders on, you know, oh, and yeah. just kind of like exercise a certain amount of, you know, like designer control over, which I just, it doesn't feel like they did. Yes. Yeah. And that's, and that's obviously it's a really uh, kind of pertinent thing right now. Cause like that kind yeah. of procedural generation is a really kind of, interesting topic that people are a lot of people are talking about it Mm -hmm. and when it's done well you know most people agree and will definitely agree that like it has a really strong sense of our authorship oh yeah it's worth you know yeah (laughs) Yeah. it's really really uh worried you know Mm -hmm. it's not it's it's not really random Mm -hmm. you know it it is not random it is a set of constraints that are set out that have this possibility space but is still pretty controlled because uncontrolled truly random things are bad yeah it's just noise you want, yeah, you want something designed, mm-hmm. you know, um, speaking of truly random bad things, um, <laughs> all the bad presents here suck. Yep. Um, you can get the rain cloud, uh, which is a little storm cloud that zaps you every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so it's just a health drain. And also you get stunlocked when you get hit, uh-huh. which, which makes you makes you very, very vulnerable. Um, you yes. can jump into uh, water to avoid it. However, that also drains your oxygen and then your health. Yes. And yeah. something I, we didn't really talk about here uh, in the combat section is that you don't have uh, adequate invincibility frames. Nope. So the fact that you move so slow, if you get hit by something, you immediately start moving away from it. It's very likely that your sprite will still be overlapping it by the time your invincibility frames mm-hmm. wear off because you're moving so slow. Yeah. So most hits are double hits. Yep. That's a. I, I put that in the notes under the uh, under the Earthlings because juggling is a very real thing and it is yeah. something you have to manage in this game, like in a and, in a real bummer in a real total bummer kind of way. I hate it. Like I, <laughs> I hate getting hit. And this again, just because all of our shows are connected. Uh, it's it's what I complain about in Dark Souls where you get one comboed to death yeah. instead of one hit. Like, it's effectively the same thing. Like, I'm making one mistake mm-hmm. and paying for it with my Multiple life. times. Like, just yeah. the like the, like the negative side of this, the, the, the part of it that cuts the other way is, like, 2x, 3x more powerful than the one that works in my favor. Yes. And it, it just, it, to me, like, that kind of being able to make mistakes is a fundamental part of games. Mm-hmm. You know, like, that's how you learn. Like, I have to be able to kind of fuck this up. It can't be, the consequences can't be this ramped up all the time. Or it can be, and there's an audience for that, but that audience is just definitely not me. <laughs> right. Who just, like, yeah. wants, you know, no, no, I want to be the guy. You know, like, I don't want to be the guy. Yeah. Like, no. I, I appreciate that game. We talked about it in Abject Suffering. Oh, we as well. did. Like, that's, that's great. <laughs> yeah. But I don't, I it's don't great it was my... trying to be. Like, that's, exactly. a, that's a thing. Yeah. It's very intentional. Yeah. Um, the tomato rain, which is the same thing as the rain cloud, except it actually affects everywhere. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, total bummer. 
She's just yeah. an instant death. So I like this because of the because of the flavor. Like it's just uh like the doctor tells you that uh, oh man just uh, this, this is cancer and then you just fall over dead. Yeah, <laughs> like, you, you come like, down what, with total bummer. Yeah, like well, like what's a total bummer? It's cancer of the third leg <laughs> that you get. Um, yeah, the, the flavor of this is very cute. Yeah. Um, the actual fact that it can happen on your last life at like room, you know. 15 uh, yeah 15 okay yeah, I'll, 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 I'll throw that here yeah I'll, I'll give you that one <laughs> and that wouldn't be so bad if it could only happen once right but then the most devious of the bad presents is the randomizer right which de-identifies de all your presents yep uh you stumble across this like you've undone like that's like a core part of the game like that kind mm -hmm. of discovery and research is so important like why is this yeah. here yeah like that like that 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 is a way that you get more powerful or you know circumstances get more in your favor as the like the actual like the world player. gets more hostile yeah yeah and this is taking that away and i think there's probably like all these things that suck there's probably a you know a parallel in rogue yep. i haven't played tons of tons of literal rogue so I, I don't know I. So, like i've done more like um, net hack but yeah, I played a little bit of NetHack. I played a lot more roguelikes. Um, there's probably things that are exactly like that, but that doesn't mean that, like, you know, that was a game designed for 1980s computers to be played forever. Mm -hmm. And this thing, just like, because those were there, doesn't mean that they were good decisions. <laughs> right, and that's yeah. a turn-based game where you plan, you know, like, and this is not that. This is something mm, where you might no. panic open a present because you're being chased by an ice cream truck. <laughs> and then just to have it kill you or stunlock you so you get killed by the ice cream truck just feels very bad. Yeah, and it is a hostile. Hostile yeah. is, the, is the is the word that we use for that. Yeah, hostile and not my fault. Yep. You know, just like oh, I, I couldn't have done anything to avoid that. Mm -hmm. Like, what what do you want from me? Yeah, from and, and just kind of like so so the randomizer. You probably spend the first you know five ten levels figuring out what the like the possibility space is for these things, and mm -hmm. so like you know that probably represents you know again like an hour and a half of progress. Like this is a this is a three to four hour game, right? Yeah. Um, and so to have. You know, just like this mix up midway through that just says like, all right, everything uh, that you assumed, these things that you're depending on, like in the case of the uh, the high tops or the Icarus wings, like, well, fuck you. Sometimes this can probably be a, uh, a total uh, a total bummer. Um, mm. That's not great. It's, well, it's, and it's not a great decision. The, no, it, it's, it's really frustrating. And then the other thing that happens is when you're so then when you start exploring again, you're exploring in an incredibly hostile environment yep like so when you have to start that happens 10 floors in you're trying to you know those first couple levels are easier if something bad happens if you get sunlocked it's not as big a deal they really ramp up the consequences to where this becomes like weirdly enough the worst present to open yep because that that experimentation thing is just ramped up in difficulty that second half that like you know it, it it's like artificial gravity uh, <laughs> but you haven't been born in it you just got sucked into it it's like the yeah. the bad the 20 gravity plants <laughs> yeah. Like you just... <laughs> yeah it's your uh it, it, it is your uh king uh or your uh hyperbaric time travel thing yeah um so let's talk about the different earthlings that show up if it seems like we're skipping this because we can't talk about levels like they're just like random no no like it just like, like just assume it gets more hostile and uh there's more sand and there are kind of like as we talk about these earthlings there are more of the uh the bad ones as you go yes on. Yeah, exactly. But we, we talk about these individual elements and then just imagine them just in a big, yeah. you know, auto just, or bingo ball. And, yeah, yeah, just just like any of these uh, kind of like random or procedural kind of things like, you know, by describing the presence, we've we've described like one side of the systems that can interact. Like now we're going to talk about the other side. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, the uh, and there, there's a little bit more control to this because you don't run into all of the earthlings 
uh, right away. No, no. These, like do, these do get more difficult as you go. They, yeah, they're, they're, they're like generated with the level. So you're going to encounter the ones that are, you know, more benign lower down. And then like yes. once you get like beyond 20% into the game, then all of a sudden they're going to just open the floodgates and say, no, fuck you. Yeah. Um, so the, there's a, these are the inhabitants of quote unquote earth kind of weirdly <laughs> enough. They don't seem like it. Um, there are very few helpful ones and there are a lot of harmful ones. Um, the helpful ones will go through first because they're smaller and right. they, they don't play a huge part in this. I used a couple of them a few times, but yeah. yeah. Um, the wise man, which is kind of fun. It is an old bearded <laughs> man in a carrot suit. Why is he in a, why is he in a carrot suit? Nobody knows. Yep. Um, the yeah. manual in this one is kind of fun too, because uh, like when you get to the section that describes the earthlings, it's a, uh, it's quintuple a, Mm, yeah yeah and that's that is, that's a small detail that i really like um but yep. yeah this is a this is an old guy in a carrot suit uh who will identify uh one of your presents for two bucks yeah yep. um santa is pretty fun this is like a rare encounter um <laughs> here and you have to sneak up on him right he will drop presents but you have to make you can scare him off yeah um <laughs> the, the role that he plays in this for me is just as uh like an ontology like this is where the presents come from Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's why he's he's dropping those through because it's it's almost like the aliens conceived of Earth. This is almost like a holodeck adventure. Oh yeah, for them where they you know this is what they think Earth is, even though it has yeah. no bearing on things. Uh, the other thing we we didn't mention this when we talked about the food, but like so uh, the fudge Sunday is uh, is is the highest the highest uh, health recovery item that you can get, and everything else just kind of like goes down from the uh, from the coolness, i.e., bad for you-ness of the food. Mm -hmm. <laughs> i love how every time you eat one of these pieces of food it is like these aliens are encountering it for the first time it's mm -hmm. kind of like thor yeah. almost i like yeah yeah exactly yeah. exactly the um and we didn't we didn't we said there was bad food but like that's like rotten food like yeah. rotten eggs or something like that and you you just kind of have to learn to identify them by the sprites like yeah, yeah if you like, can if you can spot a 16-bit rotten egg versus a real egg like more power to you yeah. but i could yeah. not uh, most of the cheese ends up being bad, which, fuck it, man, I love cheese. Come on. Yeah, I just cut off the bad part. <laughs> it's, I don't know good. if I'd go that far. but <laughs> Yeah, just, just take a bite out of whatever end isn't you know, um, dusty. <laughs> yeah, there's a wizard you can run into. Um, so he's, there's a wizard walking around. He will heal you if you give him a dollar, mm -hmm. uh, which ends up being kind of useful. I wish he was more frequent. Uh, and a lot of times you either have food. It's like either it feels like feast or famine. Like you yeah. either have food and don't need the wizard or there's no wizard and there's no food. Yep. Yeah. It's almost like the wizard is tampering with the food in order to, in order to increase demand. Mm. Yeah, mm. again, some some dark style, dark souls three style uh, <laughs> suppositions. Yeah. Oh. Um, then, then there's the uh, the opera singer who is like the 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 ring cycle traditional Viking lady, um, mm -hmm. and if you pay her three dollars, she is the uh, the most expensive of these helpful Earthlings. Um, she will sing loud enough to kill uh, slash pop all of the Earthlings around you. Yes. And I, I think I don't know if it was just her random movements, but I, she might follow you for a little bit. She does. Like, if okay. you have enough money, yeah. like she'll be a bodyguard. Yeah, which is pretty cool. Like yeah. this is this ended up being the way I spent money other than the mail order mm -hmm. um, the most. Um, so then there are the harmful earthlings. Um, and right. this is where if you're going to call this a parody, this is this is where <laughs> this is where they're at. like, yeah. oh, boy, these are people ripped from your everyday life. Yeah. Yeah. Such these as are, these the are... crazed shopper, the person who is. Pushing a shopping cart and knows what they want to get. Yeah, yeah. yeah monster, <laughs> the the the, uh, the refugee from Guy's Grocery Games <laughs> who popped in on on Earth. So, uh, Guy Fieri was in Portland recently. Oh, really? Did you? Um, I mean, I mean, did, did, did you take care of it? 
Carrie, <laughs> um, did you? I mean, did, did, did you I'm handle just, it? That's all. That's yeah. all I'm asking you, Carrie. Project, project Scorch. <laughs> prep. I mean, just uh, prep, prep project Flavor County. Come on. Steal Fury from the gods. Okay. The um, no, I I uh, I just saw it on Facebook. Somebody was like, "Guy Fury's in Portland. This is not a drill," and posted uh, like a an eight second loop of him walking out of this restaurant, like. <laughs> walking back in like doing takes of like his walk-in okay like over and over and that was it but it was in my old neighborhood if i still lived uh with my ex i would have been able to like walk over and see him (laughs) so as in the the the, what northeast yeah yeah over on alberta uh so i could have just like gone over there and i don't know (laughs) just threw a smash mouth cd at him or something like you kind of gonna come into my town come into my house and do this (laughs) yeah exactly yeah, uh, I challenge you to. I, I don't know. Yeah, uh, <laughs> the crate shopper is fast, but um, uh, unpredictable in a way that doesn't hunt you down. Like they are just a person who zigzags around the map and is easily yes. avoidable. Yeah, uh, one of the worst enemies, I think, um, is the, <sighs> the hula girl. Anything that slows you down, oh my god! And it, it can chain to it. Uh-huh. Like it happens, you take one step, it happens again. You take two steps, it happens again. Um, this is like a hula girl, the wahini, uh, who stops you and makes you dance along with her mm-hmm. charming like this is something there are many examples in this game that i know people are remembering fondly right like things that are bad but people are just like oh remember how you'd have to dance with a hula girl that's kind of cool and like flavorful mm-hmm. and, and sweet <laughs> go it to it now work. yeah I, I swear to god it doesn't work now like no i could see being like oh man even when i went back to this i remembered this kind of and i didn't remember being cool but i was like oh that's kind of cute because it is yeah. cute yeah like no, watching toe jam a, do this little dance is very cute it's a smile out loud kind of moment right yeah, 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 but it is in play. It is very frustrating. Yeah, um, and these guys are not really a hazard, other than you know the fact that you will slowly crawl closer to death um, in real life while, <laughs> while this is happening. Other than the fact that this is time you'll never get back. But later, when they start mixing these up with more hazardous enemies, it just becomes egregious. No, no, because they they, they just open you up to like yeah. real and sometimes irrevocable damage. And I would almost forgive it more if they were tactically placed to do that. Like, mm-hmm. oh, these things are always going to be placed next to something that's fast. So it's mm-hmm. like, oh, it's a trap and they're working together. No, sometimes you're just going to waste your time. That's the thing. The fact that they're random, like, oh, there's like three hula girls like on the same map. So they're not there's no chance of being hurt. It just means it's going to take forever to get across the screen. Yeah. And also like avoiding them, like sometimes they're dancing. It doesn't affect you. Sometimes yeah. it just fires off like I can't tell when it's going to proc. And maybe there's somebody out there who knows like, oh, it's like on the 17th frame of this, you know, of this particular animation when she is uh, huloing this way. It's like, I, I don't I don't know. Like just that, like that is not apparent to me in the in the time that I have spent playing this. Yeah. Speedrunners know. Like that right. kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's an insane dentist uh, who runs around with a drill uh, trying to get at your teeth. Um, after he attacks he kind of stops and laughs which will allow you to get away from him right this is like this is a welcome thing because like his movement is predictable he will move toward you and then like once he does his drill then he will stand still like yes and then you can get out of his radius like the insane dentist is a welcome reprieve yep yep uh the cupid is this uh again a flying little cherubim which will sing off key um and I did, you, did you see recently somebody like t- tweeted and it was like uh uh C- cupid is by far the world's most popular horny baby <laughs> <laughs> well, oh 
okay. So um, I would say it's not a horny baby. Like, you know, like he, he's not thirsty for it. I would say horny he, baby. He, <laughs> I would say he's hor- he, he is horny for other people to be horny. I think that he is an accessory to the horny fact. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he gets uh, he's a meta. Mm, he's yeah. meta thirst. <laughs> like meta, like M-E-T-T-A, like a Buddhist kind of thing. Like you just wish other people well. Like yeah. you just, you just like, you know, I, I myself cannot be directly horny, but the more people who are horny around yeah, the me. The more organ in the air, the stronger <laughs> I get. So. Uh, so this is a flying enemy, which is kind of unique. Uh, but when he shoots you with his arrow um, and when he sings off key, la da um, yeah. He will uh, hit you with this arrow, and then uh, your uh, movement directions will be reversed. Yes. Um, there is a hamster and a rolly ball, a giant hamster, mm-hmm. now a giant ball. And this is it's a like little bit like bar. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a, the, the uh, miniature giant space hamster. Um, <laughs> and it moves a lot like the shopping cart ladies, except for bigger and a little slower. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's honestly like easier to deal with. Right. Um, there's a herd of nerds. Uh, <laughs> That's that kind of clever. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> they're trying to uh you know get your autograph galaxy quest style um because you're an alien right and uh they flatten you and again hurt you and then also make you vulnerable mm, right um really irritating there's a mole which will like uh kind of burrow under you is the underminer and uh he will come out and take some of your presence yes that yeah. sucks yep. uh you know that's frustrating a uh, little devil is an, a little devil yeah it's a it's kind of a non-threat for like okay so the cosmic entity which is you know kind of portrayed as being opposed to god Mm -hmm. Uh, come on like just make him more of a thing like just this is like how i I mean we talked about this before this is how i think of the devil in general like little guy Mm -hmm. in pajamas (laughs) as opposed to lucifer yeah 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 um, the fat man with the mower is fucking the devil. Um, yeah, I mean, he's, he's not fucking the devil. I mean, he could. Like, I'm not going to oh. judge anything. Devil uh, fucks. But no, he is, comma, fucking Jesus Christ, the devil. Yeah. yeah. The goddamn he's, he's, devil. This guy's yeah. really frustrating. Yeah. Um, who just, he just makes a beeline for you. Oh, he does. Um, <laughs> but he's really fast. And he's, he can kind of keep pace. Like, you can outrun him with the high tops, but just barely. Just, just barely. Yeah, he's yeah. very, like, very fast. He's in the same speed class as the ice cream truck. Yes. And you have to, so you have to use an item to deal with him because if he hits you, he will juggle you. Mm-hmm. Um, as we mentioned, um, you know, you just say you don't get uh, enough iframes. So you will just kind of keep getting hit. And it's more or less a death sentence. Yeah. Like this guy in the tornadoes were the reason that I used a lot of save states. Yeah. 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 For me, it was, it was Boogeyman. Mm. Um, just because it was more frequent. Yeah. Um, you know, this guy sucked, but I didn't run into him as much. And that was just my roll of the dice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, I just, that was the same for me, actually. Like, this guy was just kind of more disastrous. Like, the boogeyman was uh, kind of like easily outrunnable. Yeah. Yeah. Unless, unless you're in slime, which he always is. Um, <laughs> almost always yeah. in the slime, which is yeah. then the levels all turn to slime. Yeah. yeah. Um, these chickens <laughs> with mortars, I kind of like these guys because they don't just <laughs> chase you. Like, and you can actually do something to avoid it. Like, if you move diagonally, the tomatoes won't hurt you. Yeah. So again, that's that's a very very simple gameplay thing. Mm-hmm. But I was just like, oh, I have I have a tool to deal with this. Yeah, like if I notice that pattern, it's fine. Like as they you know hone their trajectory in on us. Okay, cool. Like I just if I move diagonally, I can get around it. Like I wish that there was more of that kind of like strategy or tactic or whatever one applies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, and I also like that they wear little Kaiser helmets. <laughs> They've got yeah, the... I, I like that too. Yeah, that's yeah. Cute. Um, the ice cream truck, like fuck this thing. Like it's incredibly yeah. fast, but it doesn't juggle. 
thankfully. Like once yeah, it hits you, it's not. Yeah, because it moves too fast too. Yeah. It just like bowls you over and then it's <laughs> if, if they could have figured, figured out a way to make it juggle <laughs> you, they could have. Yeah, they, 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 would they, have, they yeah. probably would have. Yeah. Um, the problem with this thing is it comes out of nowhere. Yeah, so it can, it can kind teleport. So there's one of them haunting a section of the map, and it just means to avoid that part of town because mm, yeah. it's going to be around. Yeah. And then the boogeyman, um, which uh, I like from a flavor you know, side of things, like he's just a little uh, a little invisible gremlin who goes boogie, boogie, boogie. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, from, a, from a mechanical standpoint, he will just, you know, wreck you. And he can chase yeah. you for a really, really long distance. He just keeps going. Yeah, he doesn't yeah. give up. And, you know, again, it's finding those scrambler pills, uh, things like that. Means like, I don't want to just kind of randomly try to open a present to deal with this because what if that prize is that instant death or stuns me or is bad food or whatever? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I wouldn't do that. And then it just like these guys became a hazard because at least in my role of the levels, there were tons of them. Mm, right. like, I ended up like having a lot of these guys, um, which sucked. Yeah. It's probably my most frequent enemy for the second half of the game. Right. Um, yeah, they're very liberal with them. Um, yeah. And it's like their the, the, their deployment kind of feels irrespective of the stuff that surrounds them. It's just kind of like, mm-hmm. oh, we're going to replace these otherwise very avoidable enemies with these things that can just like literally only become visible and avoidable when they are close enough to attack you. Yeah. Yeah. And um, there are also some environmental hazards which act like kind of similar to, mm-hmm. uh, to enemies. Yeah. Um, there are swarms of bees. Uh, that can they can fly so they can cross over holes in the map um, and these will juggle you as well um, there actually is a way to get away from these guys which is go through like a body of water yep um, they won't follow you but that has its own problems yep. it's uh it's micro rolls yep. yeah yeah <laughs> um, the sharks so if you are trying to get away from the bees and you jump into the uh, the water again micro rolls uh, the sharks will come and get you however they become more frequent later on um uh the when problem is the jets <laughs> uh the, the problem with these guys uh like we mentioned earlier is that the one item that helps you navigate water uh more easily doesn't help you get rid of these guys so they just kind of like you know reassert water as this thing that is like this thing that you need to move around yes yeah yeah and and try not to move around if you can't mm. or if you can't you know you don't want to be in here because it's going to be full of fucking sharks yep um there are mimics in this game <laughs> which I really love from a flavor perspective. Yep. The first time this happened, I, I, I chuckled like this was good, um, which look like mailboxes, which are shops, but they're actually uh, mailbox monsters. Right. So, so the legs are legs. The, uh, the mail uh, slot is mouths and mm-hmm. uh, they grow arms and just kind of, kind of come after you. Uh, I chuckle, I chuckled at this as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they will hurt you. So it's not like um, they will, you can get away from them really. Like if you accidentally, hit it you know mm-hmm. or actually they open one of these like you, you're gonna take some damage right that's just kind of the way the way the things work and then there are tornadoes uh, which ah, are also very annoying fuck these things this uh this was uh to me worse than the boogeyman actually i did i don't i ran into these a lot um by this point i was very firmly save stating like crazy mm-hmm. so that's my guess is that i avoided having a problem with these just because i was so sensitive about it you know <laughs> so i was just like so- if I, you know i was i was metagaming it to get around them so by that point yeah yeah like for like for me i would end up safe staying so close to them that they were still a factor in my like recovering trying to get away from them um and just because like they will appear at very short notice like as opposed to a boogeyman which will just kind of be like a thing that comes with the area they i don't know like their their movement was less predictable to the way that i analyze situations 
Yeah, they just kind of manifest like yep. real tornadoes. Yep, and <laughs> and what they do is um, they'll come after you. They're very aggressive about chasing you, um, and they'll pick you up and it's then like real tornadoes. <laughs> exactly, uh, they'll pick you up and they'll carry you around for an annoyingly long time that you cannot control anything, um, and because of just kind of the probability of what will happen, uh, because there is more kind of empty space than ground. They will drop mm-hmm. you, and you will just fall down one, maybe two levels. Yes, yeah, it's 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 threatening you with that, you know, that loss of progress. Right. So it, it doesn't, doesn't always drop you off of a pit. Right. It's like sometimes they'll just put deal. you down. Like, well, whoa, that was a weird trip. No, like, yeah. But like, let's say fifty percent of the time, let's just be as fair as we can possibly be. Fifty percent of the time, they will threaten you with lost time or productivity or whatever you want to say. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So you're going through those 25 levels of that. Um, that gets mm-hmm. progressively harder. Um, I want to point out that even though it gets harder, um, and I know I've been I've been very hard in this game. I I, I hate this game, um, but the uh, it's it gets progressively harder. It's not like it's never approaches really fun in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Like when the the systems are are not hostile sometimes or less yeah. hostile. Mm-hmm. It's never like I really enjoyed the act of what I was doing. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like some of the experimentation to find different verbs is is fun but when the the verbs just didn't end up like it's when they're useful it's already kind of too late like you don't really need them in the first levels yeah, i mean like you're, you're, you're kind of deploying them to overcome something that the game has already inflicted on you yeah yeah and and it's it's a uh, you know with the movement speed and the fact that like exploration is not very fun either because when people talk about um or like one of the reasons why chalice dungeons weren't fun to explore is because Oh, it's going to be a hallway, like a hallway with a dead end, you know, like, yes, it's random, but mm-hmm. it can't be good. <laughs> so exploring these levels doesn't feel like exploring a level, mm-hmm. you know, where like, maybe I'm going to see something I've never seen before. You're just going to see different combinations of road, quicksand and, and water. Right. So exploration is kind of the wrong word for it. Mm-hmm. Like there's no, there's no sense to what, there's no sense of like wonder or discovery. Yeah. You know, you're not, you're never going to see anything neat. And, and and just to, to to elaborate on that further, like the like the randomness. So, random is not necessarily bad, right? I think that it assumes that any two of the elements that you're introducing into a particular moment of play will play together well. And I think that's where like Spelunky, especially, but like Isaac sublimely will succeed, which is like you know they will. They they will pair a, a challenge against something that it has allowed you to do in a way that lets you kind of like engage with the system on like this really, really kind of magical level. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, here, I don't I just I feel like they designed one side of it. They designed the other and they didn't actually take into account exactly the way that they would interact. Yeah, it's, it's very inelegant. Yeah. Uh, the way these things don't uh, work together. And like. I, you know, I never super caught, I like, I, I appreciate Spunky. I never really caught the bug, right. but I can use ex- Isaac as more of an example. Right. And one of the reasons why uh, that randomness works in Isaac is that it's just as likely to work in your favor. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, something I talk about a lot on the show or in various shows is that like, I think that uh, balance is not the a number one goal of a game, right? Like no. having a 100% flat difficulty curve. Yeah, it's bullshit. Um, yeah, exactly. It, it feels bad, right? Like you had it stairs is what you want. Mm-hmm. Um, and the trick to it is uh, you should be able to be up. There has to be the possibility of being kind of like overpowered. Yeah. Or right? being ahead of the curve. Right. Exactly. You know, so Isaac would never work if, you know, like 
you didn't have a chance of, you know, getting Polyphemus in the first item room. Right. And it's like, oh, this is, I'm probably going to win this, but it's like, I, this is really empowering because this game is hard, <laughs> yeah. you know? Um, and when you're down, you have to be down in an interesting way. Right. Uh, so one of the things I was, comp- I was talking about on the Slack channel, talking about uh, Dark Souls 3, I know I keep bringing that up and for some reason it's been relevant. Yeah, uh, I mean, this episode. just be- because that is the year that we're in. <laughs> exactly. In the year of, I guess that's true. The year of Dark Souls 3, um, where Dark Souls 3, the way that it has ju- adjusted its difficulty curve is to make uh, a lot of builds and stuff unviable, a lot of weapons unviable, but in kind of an uninteresting way. Yeah. So like uh, in earlier entries, like you could if you could play uh, a disadvantage build, you could play like a whip and whips were pretty cool because they weren't optimized but they were still viable and it gave you different considerations. You, you mean whip in terms of like a Castlevania kind of thing, not like in a car kind of thing. Yeah. 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 Okay. yeah I mean, yeah. literally, literally using a whip. So when I played through dark souls two with a whip, uh, I had the spotted whip that had very low durability. So the trick was, what do I use that for? Mm-hmm. You know, it became this, like it's a disadvantage. It's not optimized, but it was interesting mm-hmm. in this game. Uh, you were constantly disadvantaged, um, you know, either through enemies or through items you're getting, but the disadvantages are never interesting. Right. It's just getting stunlocked, going down a floor or dying. Right. There's no there's no downsides that can make things kind of weird. Like if you're playing Isaac, you can get an item that, uh, you know, uh, moves. Uh, there's like marked, which means that instead of shoot, you, you know choosing a direction to shoot, you move your cursor around and you shoot in that direction. It's really hard to use, but it makes it different. It fundamentally controls what you're doing in an interesting way. Yeah. Or like it's something worse, like a Ludovico. Right. Totally. Yeah. Ludovico technique, which controls the game it can be worse uh but it's interesting and mm-hmm. there and there are ways to make it better which is a big thing like you can actually make a build and look out and have like ludovico be awesome yep um that you need that like you you can't and it, it's gonna like this is the year where like i turn on difficulty in games <laughs> because it, it's i'm getting to this point where well, no, it's, it's just, just because you're you're a scrub and, and the sooner that you own it the sooner that i can stop getting the fucking email about it <laughs> um <laughs> it, it's it's more that like when you difficulty is not to a purpose, right. you know, I'm noticing that a lot more. And this is difficulty not to a purpose other than making kids not beat this in four hours. Yeah. I mean, just it just it feels inconsidered like or uh, unconsidered rather like. Yeah. Yeah. And and people love this game and it's all the flavor stuff. Yeah. And I yeah. will say uh, your ship looks awesome in this. That, that sprite is beautiful. <laughs> like, like that thing that you see every like two to three levels when you get a piece for your ship. Yeah, is, is is super beautiful, that, and that, the that ending is, is that, that is probably the most damnation from the faintest praise that you ever <laughs> offered any game. <laughs> Every once in a while, you get to see a good sprite, um, and the ending is charming as fuck. Yep, well, I, yeah. really, I really love the ending of this. Yeah, like when you when you go like when you get back to Funkatron, and it's like a purple planet, and you get to see like different types of aliens, but also when you end with like here's a bunch of toe jams, here's a bunch of earls. Yeah, you know? it's, it's your family. Yeah. You know, and everybody just has a cute little bit of flavor text as you walk by them. <laughs> uh, you know, and it's there's no bosses or anything. You didn't have to do anything other than just collect all the things. Right. Um, and you get here and it's just it's charming. Like I like uh, codas in games where you get to go talk to everybody. Like oh, yeah. Earthbound yeah. kind of style thing. Like mm-hmm. I really like that. Um, and this this has that. I guess similar to Starflight, too. Mm-hmm. Um, even though you don't get to explore the universe. Like, <laughs> I mean, you want like... to go back to floor four. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah. you do get to keep playing after the ending. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we know from the sequels that this is not entirely a happy ending. 
Yes, done, done, done. <laughs> um, yeah, so let's talk about the the legacy of of this a little bit. Yeah, so this end uh, uh, this ended up being kind of like a decade long series. So this turned into uh, to Panic on Funkatron. Um, which was the same team kind of developing a very, very different kind of game. Um, and this will make me a Philistine or, a, you know, just a barbarian, whatever you want to say. Uh, I played Panic on Funkatron first. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I had a, you know, a, a neighbor friend whose house I went to uh, every single day after school to go play, you know, Toji and Earl Panic on Funkatron. Um, along with uh, with other games, and this was my first exposure to this. And like I, you know, even though this is kind of like a very easy and possibly boring kind of game, I think that it might be a better vehicle for the kind of flavor that they're trying to get across. Um, and it's kind of a shame that it came second because like the fact that this is a departure actually doesn't serve what they were trying to do with. The thing about the first game that was more that, that that was the most successful, which is like this super chill urban rap style kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know? yeah. It it is a very relaxed kind of platformer, right? You know, um, and to to my mind, like it's kind of fun to be in that world for a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, the actual mechanics of it, it's it's under mechanical for me. Like, there's not very much to it. Can you define that for me? Uh, there's not very much to do in mm -hmm. Panic on Funkatron. Like you have to go, it's a scavenger hunt. You know, you have to, you get this little arrow. You're, to go you're like hunting for the earthlings who have invaded Bunkatron. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you catch them like Pokeballs, which is kind of fun. But yeah. the actual levels, you're just kind of going through the level doing the thing. Like your verb yeah. set is not very interesting. The platforming is not, you know, it doesn't have the reasons that I would play a platformer really. What I, what I would say is, you know, going back and playing this, like I got a fair way into it, like going back and revisiting this because of, you know, playing it for the show and nostalgia shake, uh, uh, sorry, nostalgia, nostalgia's sake. Um, mm -hmm. and, uh, like the crazy alternate, alternate dimension kind of stuff. Like, you know, the apparent mechanical intricacy of this actually falls short of what it actually asks you to do right yeah. explain that better what are you what are you saying uh are no, you saying no. that it is more like eventually it starts asking you to do like uh like kind of like hidden views of the screens that you're kind of like going against and um actually like going into the funk universe to like find earthlings that are hidden in different views of the ways that you are uh kind of like seeing yeah. the apparent world yeah a little bit later i i revisited it very briefly mm -hmm. just when I, I was kind of doing it um I still don't. I feel like if we had done that, there still would be pretty little to talk to. Talk about. I, oh man, I, I really don't think that like it would have borne the show. I don't think it would be like an epic suffering kind of game, but like um, it is its own kind of thing that kind of falls into its era. It's kind of it's kind of interesting. Like I'll give it that, and that kind of uh, hide and go seek mechanic that it has, it eventually does some interesting stuff with. Yep. The actual platforming, the actual kind of movement around and stuff, it doesn't feel noteworthy or good. Mm -hmm. to me um i bet you i i think it's probably a better game than this one mm -hmm. um but yeah it didn't it doesn't stand it doesn't feel like a lost classic to me it feels it's, like we're we're looking at like an f tier game and a like a c tier game man, f tier shit wow Toad Jam and earl yeah Toad yeah. Jam and earl is an f tier game wow i think this okay. is this is a failure like flavor cannot go enough to make this because it's okay. it's not fun to play yeah it's, it's cute it's not, I, I know i had zero fun I just I would not call it an F tier game. That is the no. <laughs> that, that 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 is my personal summation of things. Yeah, which is yeah. which is, I mean which is fine. It's it's a yeah. uh, you know, but I I was and I again I had that affection. I played it when mm -hmm. I was young and liked yeah. it. Yeah. 
it's not uh it's not because it's it's new to me i just i was angry and sad playing it more than i was happy and engaged i was disappointed too like i just uh, uh like I, I so maybe maybe this explains it like i played this probably too young for it mm. um and so as i you know kind of came back to it i was like okay maybe this will be better because like now i know like those things that didn't quite add up to me when i was you know young enough to be renting games on the sega genesis um, maybe those are going to be more satisfying. Like it definitely fell short of my expectations, especially the ones mm. that were raised when I was kind of like bringing this up as uh, a Genesis game that we could bring for the show. Mm. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm glad we did it. Oh, yeah. you know, like I, I, every time, every single bad game we've done for the show, I'm glad we did it because uh-huh. I learn about things that I feel like games shouldn't do. Yep. You know, it, it, to me, it ends up being an object lesson and like, it's not, um, you know, there, there were things, I think we, we've never done a game on the show that has nothing to recommend it. Right. I would put this in the very similar though, to soul reaver where it's the kind of flavor and cutscene stuff that I think is cool, but the actual playing of it is never fun. So, which so is how I felt about soul reaver. The, the, the thing that will fire back on, uh, for that is like the fact that this is a Genesis game means that this is a game that people can come back to now with save states. Yeah. And I think well, I mean, that I played, fundamentally I Soul Reaver with save states like, crazy. Oh, did you? Wow. Yeah. Okay. So, so I didn't know that, but like for anybody who, who didn't do that, um, I think that like somebody who comes back to this and like recognizes like, okay, save states are now like an element in your, like uh, in your arsenal, you know, mm-hmm. like just a weapon that you have at your disposal. Like, I think that makes this Im- immediately more approachable. Like don't do it like on Wii or, ps3 or xbox 360 any of the places where this was kind of like re-released um but like if you do this on an on on an emulator i think that the like checking the different elements that it puts together like to see the places where they don't quite connect and imagine where they you know where they could like Mm. you know especially in the uh in in the uh kind of like historical perspective where this kind of falls like to see how close this kind of came to being this really cool um kind of a outlier um it's probably worth it it's it's worth it from a historical perspective in that it's a weird game for the system so it's worth looking at the things you'll actually get as far as pleasures you'll get from it um there's nothing in that charm uh that i wouldn't have gotten better like i don't get from reading the manual okay or you know i wouldn't have gotten from like a comic man that's really so like you know, it it doesn't, it's nothing in the play, like nothing ludically other than the fact that it's on the system it's on, which can be very cool, mm-hmm. but it doesn't, uh, it's like, such a, it's it's too, such it's a small window. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> it, it is, it is too, like the, the, the play is even, even games that I appreciate in history have to be at least like not frustrating. Mm-hmm. Frustrated frustration's a really powerful emotion. Oh my god, yeah. No, I, in, I, in I games, agree with you know, that like, totally. Yeah. That will that will wipe a lot of that will that will really bring something down to me. Like it's it's one of the worst things you can feel. Mm-hmm. You know, a game is just like you know, that's when you know I I don't often feel like I'm wasting my life doing this show. <laughs> when I start feeling like that, it's where I'm like, why am I doing this instead of something else? Right, right. Why am I doing you this know, instead of reading a book or reading a comic or watching or a movie? Or playing a like, different game. And you know, we're doing, it, yeah. Anything else that doesn't like, uh, you know, just actively bounce me off of it. And I think that when when you talk about um, it, looking at the systems and how it could have been something cool, I feel like we probably fall in different places and how close we think they are. 
Okay. Because I think they are miles away okay. from actually getting it getting yeah. it done. Like the actual no items in this game are like we're not none. Most items in this game are not interesting. Most enemies in this game are not interesting. The levels are not interesting. They weren't there. The only thing that's interesting is that they were kind of random and from a different thing. But it would be hard for me to believe that Rogue doesn't have more interesting enemies, items, and levels too already. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like the worst expression of a couple of interesting ideas that are only interesting because they of the platform. Yeah, which yeah. has some value, mm-hmm. but not enough to overcome that frustration factor for yeah. me. So, you know, just so we don't present ourselves as being like diametrically diametrically opposed to this. Um, if you think that we're they not are... breaking up the podcast <laughs> based on this, I'm not going to divorce you over Troy Demeter. Right. Um, if if you think they're miles apart, I think that they are, you know, like, you know, a third of a kilometer apart, mm. you know, so, so, so something like that. Like, it's, you know, it's a matter of scale, just like any of these. I think that, like, if there was just a little bit more intentionality that was put into the into the design of this, it could have been very successful. I, I would love to see um, like Toji Mineral redacted or whatever. Like, do I mean, do like a literal like, let's make this better. We might this. like we might get that with the Kickstarter thing. Yeah, they're they're doing a, a new new Kickstarter game. I'm curious about that though because the thing that the Kickstarter, the marketing for the Kickstarter, and the affection people have for this, uh, I, I it's pretty rare that I hear people slag on this. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very frequent that I hear people kind of, uh, celebrate the flavor elements, which is great. Mm, that's right. fine. Yeah. I think that's what the Kickstarter is kind of emphasizing. There's no, it's not like I want the Kickstarter guy to be like, listen, Gary, I'm sorry. I made a really <laughs> bad first game, but I would love to have some, like, uh, some assurances that like, Hey, we're going to actually address some of the stuff. Like we, we, we're not just high on our own supply of this, you know, right. like we're going to, we know there were a lot of problems. Let's actually fix them. You know, it's not presented that way. It's presented as a celebrated celebratory return, you know, of, of this thing that was already really great, which I don't think was ever the case. And that falls back into just the problems that so many of us fall into, which is the things that we don't like about this are the exact same things that other people love about it. I would be I would be very curious. Like if somebody um and we're, we're going to do the extra episode. I haven't read the the things. Um I would love to if somebody has played this and like recently mm. and be like, "No, this item is very interesting because it's tactical or this enemy is very interesting because it presents this gameplay situation." Like speak to this from a design perspective mm-hmm. and make me understand why it's not an abomination. Because <laughs> uh, I, I would I mean, love to I would love to read that because I I can, can't see it in the actual text. Can can, can, can I soften that? And say, like, Abomination might be a little bit of a strong thing, like, having read the responses, like, say how you were able to approach this in a way that made you not bounce off, not bounce off of this on a rental and say, like, yeah, this is garbage. Because most of the people who read in about Toji and Earl in specific um, ended up liking it a lot. Well, but I mean, is that with a mountain of asterisks where it's like, hey, I played this with my brother growing up it's you know like it's, that's... it's not with a mountain of asterisks it's more like with a uh with this with a uh single disclaimer okay yeah to, to but me, like it's, nobody it's, said it's... like hey when you said you like when you announced you were covering this for the show i went back and like you know completed this to credits um yeah. and here's what i said that's what i want though like i'm not i'm not it doesn't speak to me like nostalgia is important nostalgia is valid your experiences mm-hmm. when you're young playing this with your brother don't like not count they say, you know, 100% of memories are false. You know, it, it doesn't say very much about the actual game. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it says more about your time and place in your life that you approach this at. So what I would want, and you know, I will, and maybe we have this again in the extra so I don't read these before we record them, but like what I want is an, an, an analysis of this. Like I said, like an analysis of this from a gameplay perspective, mm-hmm. like what, it, what design wise, what does this do? That's neat. Other than one um, flavor. Like I like this in spite of the flavor. I don't right. like again uh, Two, the time and place that you played it. You know, it was fun because I was with my brother and like, yeah, you know, we were 13 or three. Um, this is cool because of the platform it's on. Okay. Like I want this to stand up on its own as a game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, it's hard for me to imagine that argument. Maybe we're going to get to those next week. If not, I would be curious to hear them. I don't mean that to be like necessarily throwing a gauntlet. It's because I genuinely want to know. Right. You know, if if somebody when people disagree, like have different opinions for me, I want them to be articulate and I want to understand them. It's not uh, because I think they're wrong or I want to debate them. It's because I want to know what I'm missing mm-hmm. you know, really badly. And this is a game where I feel that like if that is the effect, if you were looking at this from a game design perspective and you're like, no, this actually is really kind of neatly designed, you know, because this is like I think, you know, Shadow Tower is incredibly elegantly designed. And a lot of people bounced off that and just thought those systems were bad. Yep. I came to a different conclusion on it. I want to know why. Uh, people are coming to that. Yeah. Uh, we'll find out next week. And if we don't address that properly, like if there is something that we're just not seeing because of our status as normies or whatever, um, let us know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, you know, we'll ultimately be the uh, the final factors that decide whether or not that's valid. I'm sorry. Well, it's not valid, like, universally. I'll, uh, I'll decide true, for I'm us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, I, 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 I get to decide what I am convinced by. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I'm, I'm curious. I would like more information on it because for a game that has that is very, very well loved, like, I was surprised by how, like, how bad it felt. And I just, I just wonder how much of, like, the belovedness was affected by marketing dollars yeah. you know like the fact that toji and earl kind of became mascots for the genesis you and, know like 90, that, 91 yeah. is super early in terms of that generation right yeah and then there's um you know uh, uh an issue where that's in the context of the genesis a system that like took a while to get like its mascot yeah kind of down you know and these guys make these are great mascots oh they're great like yeah. these guys are great characters like i want a toe jam animated series pretty bad <laughs> much more than i want an update on the game right. you know which like that feels like a non-starter to me like this yeah. has this whole sense this again happens all the time in abject suffering where i'm like why was this ever a game <laughs> like this is so this is so cool i would have watched a saturday morning cartoon of this and loved it yep you know like that would have been that works because those are the things that work yeah give me the a punk stuff, monster totally and i would like i would like a plush pearl you know yeah, like I'm, yeah. I'm into that like these these are great characters i don't want that to be totally lost no it no. just exists ir- you know outside of the game to me yeah i mean just you like know. just uh the successes are irrespective of, uh, irrespective of the medium in a way that is kind of unsatisfying yes it does not use the fact that it's a game to make a greater <sighs> yeah and what i wish so to jam mineral 3 um, I know that it has mixed reviews, and anything that falls into the like 7.0 range, I'm Im- I'm immediately curious about. Um, but because it's in this kind of like unemulatable early 2000s kind of range, like I would have to buy that system and play that game in order to yeah. see if like that is some kind of apotheosis of it. And so all I have is kind of secondhand accounts of it. 
when I the things I've read about it make it sound like it takes some of the innocent charm and makes it not innocent. Yeah. Which like that would that would ruin some of that for me. Me too. Like I don't I don't want either of these characters to have a dick. No. You Whether know? or not it's a leg, like, you know, if you put a if you put a sneaker on the end of a dick, it's still a dick. The Red Hot Chili Peppers taught us that. <laughs> and and I just I don't want uh, sex to exist in this universe. No. You know, Saturday morning cartoon is the appropriate place for this. Yep. You know, or, or comic book would have been great. Yep. Um, yeah. I mean, and, and I'm, I'm genuinely curious to read what we get from next thing. And I'm not going to yeah. spend a preview. I'm not going to spend every entry, you know, just being like, you're, you're uh, not, you're not going to like form a case against all of them and like you know, deconstruct them one by one. I'm not I think, trying to, you know, the worst I'm going to say is like, I just didn't have that experience. Which you, is true. Yeah. I mean, that's um, most of everything. Yeah. <laughs> Even from my side, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It is. Uh, I was, I mean, I was profoundly again, not angry that you brought up doing it or that we did it at all i'm glad we did it no it's no i mean it was, it's very slight it was, it was, uh, it was kind of a sh- like a like a shoot from the hip kind of thing like not to disclaim my own my own like contribution to the lineup or whatever but it's like yeah this is a this is a really notable genesis game that we should probably totally. cover at some point and i was 100 yeah. percent on board i'm like yeah let's totally do that like yeah. i want to re- i had fun with that i want to revisit it yep you know, and you can't uh, you can't dis- be disappointed in something unless you liked it at first. You know, no, so, like, like if we, if we just did like okay, let's look back at all the games we loved and make sure that they are like things that hold up now as like absolutely canonical and essential to the experience of the modern gamer. Oh my yeah. god, but that that would be just garbage. Like, but why we, would we do that show? We're not trying to make like there's a space for that show like like the canon i feel like where it's like let's look at because we end up accidentally doing that That, that's not us no it's it's not us but we do we engage in it right so like that happens where we go back and we play things that we really liked and like they stand up or not right you know it's the the i mean if we do that show it's by accident and then we just don't do it constantly because we get right. exhausted. Because we throw these like wild cards in, you know, as it just kind of like a grit in the pie, you know? Well, so sometimes they're, I mean, sometimes they're wild cards. Sometimes there are things that like, it was just like, hey, I really liked this. Like, yeah. I, I feel like playing that. Like our actual metric for choosing games ends up doing a lot of different kind of approaches that we just kind of come to it. And it's a mm-hmm. lot of it's really instinctual. You know, because the show doesn't have a concept behind our game choices, really. Not you know, really. it's like ostensibly not current generation. <laughs> that's and that's even loose. So, yeah, I mean, just like the, the only concept that we have is it's not like something we've done in the past six months. Yes, you know, exactly. So it, it's pretty loose. So that's going to happen. There's going to be the like, does this thing that I loved when I was young stand up? Mm-hmm. And I think that's super valuable, right? Yeah. Like, I don't want to do that show. I don't want to dedicate my life to it. No, no. I think that is valuable, though. I think that like looking at something that you have nostalgia blinders for and looking at it and seeing if it holds up is something that is good mm-hmm. because the counter side to that is when you do something that uh, you liked before and then find new ways in which it stands up. Yeah. You know, so like that's the the thing where it's like, uh, like a good example, like searching for something like we both, you know, so when we did a uh, remake playing yep. through Resident Evil one remake again with an eye towards examining it mm-hmm. made me like it more than I liked it the first time. And I already loved it. Yeah. You know, so there, there's, it cuts both ways, right? Like you can, you can look back at that with this new kind of eye. This is, I'm going to really do a deep kind of crawl of it and have it feel awesome. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Um, but like but that is the, that is such a rare cut though. Yeah. Like, Oh my God. Like if we just did that stuff that we were sure it's going to be like that, well, that's like, the thing. That's why we know. It. It'd, be, it'd saying, be like a, like a three year show. <laughs> n- none of the things. Uh, that's why it's good that we do the approach we do. Where like right. sometimes that happens, sometimes this happens. Mm-hmm. You know, it is. Uh, it's not random. Right. Uh, moving into the theming of the 
the episode, but like it is, it is like algorithmic almost. Like it is random <laughs> within parameters, which is like right. we haven't done it in a long time. We think that it would be interesting to talk about. We feel like playing it. Um, people have, you know, usually people have heard of it. Like it's not, we don't just do popular things, but we also don't just go, we're, we're not the obscure gamers, you know? No. Um, so like there is, it, though both those things happen and they're all valuable, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. You know, and some of our best episodes have been ones where it is really, really critical. Yep. Um, Pe- you know? People love our Indigo Prophecy episode. That that I loved doing that for the show because yeah. that was a game I loved. <laughs> yep. And then hated. Yep. And <laughs> you, you learn about the game, you learn about game design, you learn about yourself. Like that is a very valuable experience. Gosh, the best and strokes cut both good, ways. Yeah. Yeah. And it makes for a good episode. Like it's a good mm-hmm. experience. I feel better having done it. You know, it's like manure. Like, it's very nutritive. You know? <laughs> and, it's a, and it's not mercenary. It's not like, oh, my gosh, if we took David Cage down a fucking yeah. peg. Yeah. Like, no, like, history. <laughs> what a gonna, Goliath. Yeah, history's yeah, going to do that. You yeah, know, David like, it, 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 it doesn't take episode. us. Like, we're not we're not doing this from, like, a self-aggrandizing point of view. But it's like, both of us really love that game. And that's why you put it on the lineup, you know? Yeah, exactly. And and the fact that it doesn't, the fact that it is kind of unpredictable to go back to things you already know not only speaks to that, like that fallibility of memory and how nostalgia works, but it also makes for a better show. I think yeah. not to pat ourselves on the back too much on our, no, no, but I mean, like, just... you know, but it, <laughs> I think it makes for a better show. You, you wouldn't be patting us on the back. You, pat, you would be patting our consensus on the back, which is mm-hmm. so wildly vacillating between the two of us that like, that would not actually aggrandize either of us. Well, I just mean the approach, yeah, like yeah. it being a choice of, of the fact that that comes up every once in a while, yeah. not so much the consensus, but just that we've designed a thing that, has the possibility space for episodes like this and episodes like remake. Yep. You know, um, or super Fuck man. Like I just got the remake on the, uh, on the humble sale. I want to do mm. that so bad for a stream. Oh my God. Yeah. It's a good game. <laughs> um, yeah. So anyway, um, I'll be, again, if we don't necessarily address it, or if you just have things to hit, uh, say like hit me up and say like, no, no, no this is good because of this. I'm yeah, curious too. Like I just, I'm hostile because it's entirely possible that both of us didn't see this from an angle, from an angle that you did. Yeah. Um, please pay, make note that we are not going to be entirely receptive to, uh, elements of nostalgia or I played this with a buddy and we both laughed at this kind of thing. But like, if we took aim at a particular piece of design that we thought was bad, but you thought was good, let us know. Um, yeah, and, and the, why. Yes, and why, definitely. Um, and also, like, don't do the Twitter on that. Like, go to the contact form because that is the easier thing for us to capture and also to, like, present later on. Like, I'm pretty sure this is going to be an episode that people, it, you know, it's, I don't want to say controversial, but at least it's going to be an episode that, like, provokes a response. Um, and that is the way, like, I want to make sure that we get this on the show. Like, if yeah. somebody says, like, no, you didn't consider X, Y, or Z. I want to know exactly what X, Y, or Z are. Right. And Twitter is a bad place to have conversations that are longer than 140 characters. Like a multi, you know, a, a seven tweet string. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, Toe Mineral is not helpful. Yep. Um, if you have, uh, if you want to do that through that contact form or you have things to say about Super Mario Galaxy. Yep. Um, you can. Uh, so after that, we have Punch Out. Yep. Um, are we plotted out to that point no we are because after punch out we're doing resident evil 4 this is oh, our fall survival yeah, horror game. Already into yeah. Halloween. Yeah, yeah i know right shit man i'm so excited yeah. about that gary do you mind if i stream that uh no okay yeah and i'll trust you not to burn cast don't uh you know don't be like uh as long as you don't say it 70 times during the episode 
um during stream this happened yeah no i just i I wouldn't do that but like as a way to like i just want to celebrate this thing and i don't want to play it twice within the same four years let's say Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, so yeah for sure i just uh if if i do that call me out i give you license okay um yeah i'm really excited too it's it's not often that we do uh you know we don't do that many masterpieces for the Mm -hmm. show yep um I love that game, and I've been waiting to. I this has been something I've had like primed and ready to work for like <laughs> for years. Like where I wanted to replay yeah. this, I bought remakes of it, you know, yeah. and just not been like oh, we're gonna do it for the show. Someday. Oh gosh, it's so eminently playable too. Like if you have a PS4, like get that. Like if you have a PS3, get that. Like PC, the it's there. Like just go for it. Like the Wii version is yeah. great. Oh my god, the Wii version yeah. is so good. It is a really good game, and it's it's the template for video games moving forward. <laughs> yep, like it is. It is why we have it's, Tomb Raider twenty thirteen and it's, Far Cry. It's so and, bizarre. Like you know, just like the, the the line you can draw between Resident Evil four and Gears of War is fucking Resident Evil four. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty. It's it's really influential. Yeah, and uh, I'm really excited to play it. Out of everything that we've had like on the docket that we've yep. known we we're going to do for a while, this is the one that I've been yeah. Like, almost started playing and just been like no it's three months i won't remember it well. <laughs> yep. uh just uh, just playing it for fun so yeah uh, really excited about that god i have so many problems with the game but like i'm so excited to talk about them and I, they're, 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 be they're fun like, too because i i don't i don't think i have the same problem well, the, 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 pro- the problems are so minor that i don't yeah. think they're gonna come up <laughs> the um yeah it's it's one of those things too where like usually i am not on the side of like uh if i like it it can just be as long as it wants mm-hmm. um resident evil 4 is maybe a rare exception to that yep. where like I'm just, I, I haven't had a place where I'm not really enjoying it. Yeah. I played it. So we will, uh, we'll get into it uh, yep. in detail, but, and, and Gary, there is a possibility that on this probably sixth time that I played the game, the length mm-hmm. might not be an issue. Let's find out. We'll yep. never know again that, that uh, all memory is fake. <laughs> um, yeah. What a, we, we have, we should dial it back with, uh, with these really, cause we're doing, you know, Mario galaxy right before that. And then punch out, like we we're, we're blowing through masterpieces. <laughs> Um, a little quick. I mean, I suppose. Let's get some sevens out of tens. Um, Let's do like yeah. fucking like uh, Sally Hill 4 or whatever. Ah, shit. Yeah. That's another uh, survival horror game. Fuck. Yeah. 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 We'll, we'll, we'll figure something out. But yep. it is, uh, this has been a, a really, like, lots of good, again, Soul Reaver, we got that out. And then it just, <laughs> smooth sailing up here until I feel like, until this game, and then smooth sailing after this. Ah, shit, Gary. But we had, like, uh, Elite Beat Agents. Oh, fuck. Yeah, fuck that yeah. game. Um, I forgot about, I forgot about that. Jam, we had Toe Jam and Earl. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah I, mean, I forgot about that. But it mostly has been, yeah. that's highs and lows. You know? <laughs> um, I feel like. Yeah, uh, yeah. We, we, we just need to get something that is like more challenging than the average, you think? I think that because we have some things we have planned for the year. And some of them are weird old games that I think will be more challenging. Right, right. Yeah. Than average um, that I, we want to do this year. So, um, yeah. So if you have anything to say about any of those games, hit us up at duckfeed.tv forward slash contact. Yep. Um, very appreciated. And it is not if I sounded adversarial about that. I don't mean that I'm not going to be like, I'm going to try to argue you out of your points. It's because no, I want to know no. what you have to say. Yeah. Just like just let us know, like your points after the fact can help us and, you know, appreciate these in a different way. Mm hmm um if you want to support us monetarily um if we didn't just uh shit on your favorite genesis mascots or whatever uh go to patreon.com slash duckfeed tv a couple of bucks a month uh a bucks a month rather uh makes us uh makes a huge difference for us um and uh, you can get kind of uh cool little returns from that mm-hmm. absolutely yeah. yeah um you can also rate and review the show on itunes that's a huge help talk about us on uh, twitter message boards those are all big deals. Uh, we'll be appearing live at the Portland Retro Gaming Expo 
uh, October, I think, 21st, 22nd, 23rd? Uh, 22nd, 23rd, okay. 24th. Thank you. Uh, yep. In Portland, Oregon, talking about Pokemon Yellow. Yes. Uh, so please, uh, you know, there will probably be another extra episode similar to the Punch-Out! one where we're going to recount the weekend. Yep. Um, I think those are really fun. If I listened to the show, I would I would really value those. So Yeah, yeah. The, uh, but, if, I mean, if you have a really particularly good Pokemon Yellow story, mm-hmm. don't hesitate too much. Yeah, right um, in. Uh, but that's where we're going to be. We're going to have a meetup. There'll be details and everything. But come see us if you're anywhere near the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. Um, it will yeah. be a very good time. It is always a fantastic time. As somebody who always goes to Portland, they can like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to have to stay in a hotel where the remote has been in somebody's ass. Um, mm-hmm. Like getting to meet everybody is always just like just, oh, man, the highlight of my year. It's worth uh, touching a bunch of butt remotes. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah, like I, I uh, <laughs> swallow the battery out of a butt remote in order to do that. The um, as the old expression goes. Yep, no, no, as uh, as uh, yeah, as the Irish one said. Yes, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So th- I think that's probably about it for admin. Um, thanks for thanks for bearing through this uh, episode. We didn't want to make a fifty minute episode, so we did a three hour one. Yep. Um, <laughs> but you know that. that oh happens. gosh, we are asinine fools. <laughs> yep. Uh, so yeah, we will uh, we'll see you next week. And uh, until next time, what should they watch out for? I mean, I just watch out for bass lines, watch yeah, out for cool grooves, um, fire. Yep. Watch out for spitting fire rhymes, I suppose. Um, yeah, I suppose.